the blast from our past network. Hi, this is Steve Kostansky, director of The Void and Psycho Gorman, and you're listening to Podcasting After Dark. Lock your doors, close your windows, turn out your lights, for chills and thrills await you. It's time for Podcasting After Dark with your hosts, Corey Stevenson and Zach Schaefer. Stay with a friend, say your prayers as grisly ghouls close in to seal your doom. Tonight's episode, Psycho Gorman, starring Nita Josie Hanna, Owen Meyer, and Adam Brooks. Welcome to another friggin' awesome episode of Podcasting After Dark. I'm Hunky Boy Z, and joining me as always is the sleazy Hunky Boy C. How are ya? <laughs> I'm doing good, buddy. Yeah, we are both Hunky Boys for this episode. <laughs> so hunky, so hunky. <laughs> so boy, um, so boy. <laughs> I cannot or, wait. Or are we? For those of you that have no clue what we're talking about and didn't read the synopsis or show notes before you click on this episode, uh, we're going to be reviewing the 20, technically 2020, the 2021 film Psycho Gorman. And this film is very near and dear into our hearts because uh, prior to the pandemic, uh, we had the dubious pleasure of interviewing Stephen Kostansky, the director of this film, Psycho Gorman, and, and of course and the Void. writer and uh, like everything, pretty much. A special effects guy, like everything. Astron 6, Hunky Boy, uh, <laughs> yes, Debonair, yeah. Manborg, of course, uh, one half of the directors of The Void, by the way. When we interviewed Stephen Kostansky way back when, uh, he was supposed to be premiering this movie. Actually, we, we interviewed him like right when the pandemic just pretty much broke loose and um he was supposed to go to south by southwest and premiere it there and it just got shut down so we talked extensively about this movie and Corey and i made a vow solemn promise to each other we said the minute we can get our hunky boy hands on this bad boy we're gonna watch it break it down and put it on podcasting after dark because it epitomizes everything that we love about our show it's got a little bit of everything that we talk about in other movies from the heyday uh and man oh man i cannot wait to just dive deep into this hunk fest and i'm gonna be saying hunky and friggin uh, <laughs> and heckin and, uh, uh, heckin and, uh, a lot and, in this whole and you thing. know what i'm gonna say a lot love i'm gonna say that i love this that or another thing a lot because I was looking over my notes uh, before we started recording, and almost every single line starts with, I love like that, or I love this, <laughs> I love X, Y, Z. And I'm like, huh, I think I might love this movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is, it is balls-to-the-wall chaos in the best way possible. I was more than pleasantly surprised when I sat down to watch it, because to be honest with you, you know, when a movie gets a lot of hype like this movie did, it doesn't always live up to expectations. Agreed. And uh, when I popped this Blu-ray, this beautiful limited edition Hunky Boy Ultimate Edition uh, from Raven Banner uh, with like trading cards and all sorts of fun shit in it, uh, I was blown away from the get-go. And it's so much fun. It's so much fun. For those of you that haven't seen this, obviously we're going to be doing the straight up protocol where we 
we will, you know, talk about the cast and we'll give you a spoiler free intro. Uh, but do yourself a favor. Don't go out and just rent this. Go out and buy it. Like support support indie filmmaking because that's truly what this is. Go out and buy a copy of this from Amazon. It's fairly inexpensive. Uh, and watch it because you're gonna you're gonna friggin' love it. <laughs> I, I mean, I can only just back up your statement there, buddy. It's like just go and buy it. Um, it it's it, you know to, to give a spoiler-free uh, thoughts on it, so you guys can hear what we have. To, you know this, and then just stop, stop listening immediately, and then just go and buy it. But I thought the movie was fun as hell. I was worried that the hype was going to like let me down a little bit and rarely ever in my life has a movie either lived up to or just nailed the expectations that I had or exceeded them. Uh, this is one of them. Uh, a few things that I would like to touch on again without spoiling anything. Um, I watched this with my wife and I'm sure most people are going to be right out of the gate. They're, the biggest question is, how annoying is the main girl, the main character? Because that can happen. We all know yeah. that child actors or whatever, that can happen uh, when you try to put a main character as a kid in a movie. I can honestly say that I was never once annoyed by her in the entire film. I was completely like with her. I was on the ride. I was on, I was with everybody on this one. N didn't have a problem with her at all. I kind of expected that I was going to, because I'm usually not that kind to like kid actors, you know, when I see them in movies, but I do have to note that while my wife did love this movie, cause we watched it together. She had a blast too. She did find the the girl a little annoying here and there. Nothing major. She said enough, like nothing takes away from the film or whatever, but she did find her a little bit annoying here and there. And I think that is probably the one sort of caveat going into this movie that you sort of have to keep in your back pocket that, you know, it's 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 mostly about kids. It's a kid adventure film, a rated R kid adventure film. Well, you're talking, of course, about Mimi, the main character yes. played by uh, Nita Josie Hannah. And I think probably uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna be a little armchair quarterback and say that she, if that's the right term, who knows? I'm gonna say that she would probably appreciate that because mm -hmm. uh, because her character I think is supposed to be uh, at times really fucking annoying, friggin' annoying. I'm gonna say <laughs> yeah. friggin' through the really friggin' annoying, uh, you know, devious little shit at times and uh, at times throughout the whole movie. A, a rascal, a, a true <laughs> rascal. She's a rascal. And honestly, I loved her. I loved. I thought she was great, dude. I thought she was a lot of fun. Um, yeah. And I never even found her brother Luke annoying in, in it either. Uh, who who plays him? Uh, Owen Meyer. Yeah, honestly, and these are relative. These are unknown actors to us, anyways. Um, you know, but they are the leads of the of the film, along with Matthew Ninaber, who plays Psycho Gorman. I think in the in the physical sense. Yeah, he's the even, physicality Psycho Gorman, and the other other gentleman who is credited. By uh, Stephen Vallejos. Yes, he's. I think the he's voice. the voice. Um, but real quick, just to sort of wrap up the the overall thoughts and everything, uh, this movie is so well paced. It's so much fun from beginning to end, and you have. I can honestly say you're not going to have any idea where this thing is going, and you're going to be on the edge of your seats the whole time. Um, you know, it's it's not for like people like my mom or something like it's clearly not made for everybody but the people that this movie is made for and i'm imagining most of the listeners you and me and most of our listeners this is made for you and the reason you have to buy it is because 
there's no, barely any movies exist like this out here. This is not a Hollywood film. You know, it's so hard to have these small, interesting films made. My God, support this thing. Please, people, go out and buy it if you haven't already. But judging by our feedback of just when we announced that we were going to record this today, I'm imagining most of our listeners already own it because everyone was cheering, yes, woohoo, you know, <laughs> like, I think everyone's excited for this because I think, I don't think anyone was really let down by this. Yeah, if you like if you like gory films, if you like practical effects, if you like very dark humor, then this is the movie for you. It's got it's got a little bit of all that stuff. I'm not going to in this spoiler free version, uh the intro, I'm not going to say certain films that it homages to. We'll talk that we'll talk about that in the episode itself. I have proper. some notes. I have some notes yeah, for those too. Me too. Ditto. Um extensively, I will say that uh, I laughed out loud more times with this movie than I have in recent years with any movie for that matter. Um, it's got, you know, I'm, I'm just going to throw out there. Adam Brooks plays the dad, Greg, and he, 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 he amazingly plays, plays the dad. I mean, Adam Brooks, we, we, he was in uh, the editor, right? Wasn't he the lead? He, in- he was in the editor, which if you haven't seen the editor, we've talked about that on the show. I think before uh, I, I talked about it with um, David Irons, I think on our favorite Italian film uh, horror films. And that was, you, that was how yep. you introduced me to Astron six, essentially. Yes, the divorced dad, which is a really funny series. Um, you know, Astron Six, for those that don't know, is kind of like the, you know, it's the groundlings of this group. That the 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 little engine that could, the guys that would get together and make fun movies and like Manborg and uh, you know went on to like do the editor, divorced dad stuff like that. The void. Uh, well, that was Astron Six, but yeah. Yeah, and Father's Day I think is another one. Yes, Father's um, Day, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and and those guys, you know, they have. It's like these actors are so damn good. And Adam Brooks, he's the best. He's the best. He's amazing. I, I, I wanted to see more and more of him through the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, and and just to kind of you know say, just to kind of tack on to what you were saying, how you haven't laughed this hard in a while. I'm just gonna say I haven't had this much fun watching a movie in a while. I, yeah, I just ditto. unbridled fun. And this movie just from beginning to end feels like it was made with love as a love letter to, to what it is and everything. Uh, essentially, you know, uh, Stephen Costanzi's childhood growing up in the 90s. And before we jump in, I will point out that I did not realize this until I watched the interview with him. It's like there's the Blu-ray's got like a 20 minute interview with Stephen Costanzi. And he says that it actually takes place in the 90s. The movie takes place in the early 90s. I was like, oh, I didn't even sort of pick up on that uh, when I was watching it. But that's why there's like no cell phones or anything in it. And uh, oh, and yeah. Psycho Goreman was pretty much designed to look like an awesome 90s toy. Like Stephen Kostansky, as he was designing it, it just it's like a toy. He's like, this is the toy that I wanted as a kid, essentially. And I told that to my wife, and she was like, oh, yeah, I see that. He does look like an action figure. I'm like, yeah, he kind of does. So that was like little fun little things, little tidbits that I didn't know. I didn't know until after I watched it. So it's it's a fun movie, man. So let's, uh, do you have any, any other thoughts before we jump into the, to the rest of the cast and crew? Well, it's funny you say that about action figures because there's um, a little... Uh, plasticmeatball.com is, is making action figures. Oh, yeah. Uh, Psycho Gorman action figures, little three and three quarter guys uh, based on uh, Psycho Gorman and Pandora, Templar Pandora, who's the uh, antagonist 
to Psycho Gorman. Yes. And yes. I will that's all I'll say about that. Yes. Um gosh, yeah, no, this movie, like <laughs> I just uh I, I made not the mistake, but I but I went and showed uh, Bodie the montage scene that's in this movie because there is a montage. <laughs> There's a kick, but a little montage. girl explodes in that montage. Yeah, I know. I I messed up a little bit, but I show <laughs> I show I it went it happened so fast. You can watch it on YouTube, by the way. Just type in Psycho Gorman's song, uh, and it's so freaking funny, so friggin' funny. Um, and you'll get our you'll pick up the reference of us saying heckin' and friggin' through this whole episode. But yeah, no, it's just is is bonkers, and I'm so glad that we're doing it justice for this episode and uh, i will be watching this movie many times for many years to come yeah it, it, it just epitomizes everything i love from the early 90s that we talked to the stephen kostansky about you know go on tubi and i'm sure you'll see a bunch of influences <laughs> yeah uh from those movies with this one yeah yeah I, th- I think so tubi is probably the place to go and uh <laughs> <laughs> which i finally got on the tubi train i'm like oh there's some good shit on oh, here because rad is on there tubi's or no. the best bro tubi is the best for our our movies like like weird cult shit from the 80s and 90s but and as you guys know that's mostly what we cover on here but we do cherry pick some newer movies that we think are, are either going to have legs, you know, uh, moving forward, or, like this, they're created by people who we like and respect and clearly like the same shit we do, have the same sensibilities as we do, and it's it's almost like a love letter. It's shit. I mean, I, I'm not going to even say, compare myself to Stephen Kostansky, but if I was talented enough to make a movie, this is the kind of movie that I wish I, I would make. This is the kind of movie I would have wanted to make. Well, apparently he's doing a Dawn of the Dead zombie movie right now. I, I think actually, I, I'm not 100 percent sure because yeah, we follow him on Instagram. I actually think it's a Day of the Dead TV show. Oh, very cool. That's okay. my understanding of what it is. I do we not, may... unfortunately, uh, keep up with any entertainment news because all news is a nightmare. So I don't keep up with anything current. But just going by what he says on Instagram and what he's tagged and mentioned, I think it's a Day of the Dead show. Uh, regardless, anything that Stephen Costanzi attaches his name to, I am interested in seeing. So Ditto, and we may need to get him back on the show. We the whole One of the reasons why we had him on the show and it's the same reason why we had Caleb Emery on the show is, uh, you know, I, I think it's pretty safe to, to assume that we're, we're good at identifying what works and what doesn't yeah. in this, in these genres and, uh, up and coming actors, performers, et cetera, et cetera. And the reason we had Steven on is because we thought, no, this guy, this guy is like, we're getting him at the right time. So by the time he blows up because he will blow up and he's probably going to he probably has after this came out you know his availability will be a lot smaller than it was back in the day where i could just message him on instagram and next thing you know we're making it happen so that's why we had him on the show we were hoping that psycho gorman would live up to our own personal hype we were giving it and it did in spades yep so uh you know no more spoiler-free parts of this show uh once i hit the cast the rest of the cast um, because we're just going to do full tilt boogie in just a moment. Yep. So get those earplugs ready. Yep. So speak now or forever hold your peace. And like we said 15 minutes ago, just stop the re- stop the episode now and go buy it, go watch it, come back and listen because you're going to love it. That's it. Bar none, hands, hands, I don't know. 
Hands down, bar none, you're going to love it. <laughs> Hands down, bar none, bang 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 a tinga Um <laughs> Yeah, so Stephen Kostansky wrote and directed this movie, and we we told you about the Mimi and Luke and Psycho Gorman, um, and then Greg, who's the dad, played by Adam Brooks, uh, and Alexis Cara uh, Hansi plays Susan, a.k.a. Mom. I will be referring to her as both throughout this. Um, And she she doesn't have, like, she doesn't even have an IMDb picture, but um, I really liked her in in this role, but I don't think I've ever seen her before. Everybody was great. Uh, Yeah, I've never seen her before either. And, yeah, she was fantastic. (laughs) Um, Playing Pandora, uh, she, Kristen McCullough, McCulloch, who uh, um, hasn't done a whole lot either, uh, relative a newcomer, because again, this movie's, you know, brand new, so it's got a lot of up-and-coming actors in it. She plays Pandora, and I think Anna Tierney plays the voice of Pandora, perhaps? I think so, yeah. Um, Kristen McCullough is also uh, Alistair's uh, mom at the end as well, so you see her out of her costume, essentially. That's right, yeah, that's right. Alistair... Uh, oh, who's a, who's a kid actor in the movie. Um, he's not listed in here. Oh, he is. It's He's got one thing. It's this. Oh, his, he's, Scott. he's played by Scout Flint, Flint. Yeah. which is a great name, uh, a newcomer. The human Pandora, and we'll get to that later, is played by Roxine Latoya Plummer, newcomer. <laughs> Alex Chung plays Dark Scream, not Starscream. But Dark Scream, and you'll know what we're talking about. Yeah, my- yeah, and I was my note is I think there's I think that name is a reference. Like I think it is a reference to Star Star Scream. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, uh, Robert Homer plays Vince slash Biocop. <laughs> yeah, Biocop. So by the way, that was a short film that he did. I think you can watch that on YouTube. And this is yep. almost like an origin story for Biocop. Biocop is on this Hunky Boy edition, I think. Oh, okay. Okay. I'm pretty sure they actually it included it. That's cool. Yeah, and actually, I have the two VHS tapes from Wit- uh, Witter Entertainment and Broke Horror Fan. They're so beautiful. Those uh, hunky boys. And you bought VHS all this tapes. before you even saw the movie. We were yeah, I was we like, were banking, I, man. <laughs> I better not. I better not regret any of this shit. Yeah, I bought all that stuff. And then yeah, Dennis play <laughs> is is a cop, <laughs> played by Rick Amsbury. Another relatively newcomer. He's been in a handful of titles, but, you know, obviously had a really fun role in this. <laughs> he was hilarious. So, he was hilarious. I mean, I mean, everybody. This everybody, whole movie's so. hilarious. Yes. That rounds out the overall notable people in this film. You know, we'll, we'll bring up other characters, obviously, throughout. But, goddamn, Adam Brooks. If you just, if you don't know who Adam Brooks is, he, th- that's another guy that, like, why is he not making more mainstream Hollywood films? I have no idea because maybe that's by choice. Yeah, yeah, no, he he is he is fantastic. Seriously, he's he's so damn good in this. And the funny thing is, like, he's he's the, almost the straight man in the show. So like, he's turning in like a fantastic performance, but everything around him is just completely bonkers chaos. I do quickly want to call out Kenneth Welsh. Um, he was the the narrator, and he did like one of the voices. But he, uh, what I sort of know him from, is he was the void in the void. He was the doctor. Um, oh yeah that's right yeah Yeah. and he's a very well-known actor actually yeah and and then i mean guys i'm not gonna lie to you 
there's a high probability we're going to get to the void at some point as well on here because I at this point I've seen that movie like five times and I like it more every single time I see it and I think that was something that you and I watched for the first time as well like I think I watched it with you didn't I like a while back yeah I think right before you actually moved up to Oregon yeah uh, yeah. right before you did and yeah, Kenneth Welsh, by the way, is in one of the worst, actually, in my opinion, the worst remake of all time, The Fog. Yeah, I know. I saw that and I was just going to go right past it. It's the worst, guys. It is. You, but you all know how much we hate that movie. <laughs> yeah. And if you don't, um, you will, because I'll bring it up more than once down the road, I'm sure. Because mm-hmm. um, <laughs> we'll probably get to The Fog at some point as well. Oh, I'm sure um, we will. Yeah. But yeah, that rounds out Psycho Goreman. And yeah. Uh, Yo, 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 we're going to get into this friggin' spoiler city breakdown. So uh, we'll say it one more time. If you have not seen this movie, turn this off now. And then go buy the movie. Come back. Actually, pull up your smartphone right now. Open up Amazon. Buy that bad boy. uh, Sit on it. Get the movie. And then come back to us and listen to us. Because right now we're going to jump into it. So turn this off right now. Now, many moons ago, a nameless evil was imprisoned in a place far beyond reach. Hurry up! If he were ever to be released, it would spell certain doom for all existence. Is that fear I smell? Your planet will be torn to pieces, and I will treat your screams as I rip. Is this yours? Oh my god. The gem of Paraxidite. Whoever wields it is able to command me. Go over there. And wait for us to come back in the morning. You will suffer an eternity for this. Bye! Mom, Dad, I want you to meet Psycho Gorman, or PG for short. I will bathe in your blood. Don't worry. Be worried. He's gonna kill everybody, not unless I tell him to. What did you three maniacs get up to? Um, this is getting a little weird. This sick game must come to an end. She will enslave the galaxy into endless servitude. Kill him! Cool. Ultimate evil has awoken. There's a new god in town, and his name? Psycho Gorman. It was nice meeting you. It would be nicer if you were dead. Alright, bye. Alright, guys. Spoilers are going to be a plenty with this hunky boy psycho goreman uh it's a cool 85 minutes give or take a few here or there uh, but there's a lot to talk about in this movie yeah so opens up with a title card intro that's narrated as Corey said by our good boy from the void and <clears throat> the fog unfortunately <laughs> and many other movies many moons ago On the distant planet of Gygax, a nameless evil reigned supreme. The ruthless being had amassed power beyond measure, 
and was preparing to strike down all that was good and just in the universe. Before he could fulfill his dark destiny, the forces of light banded together and in their most desperate hour toppled the Dark One from his throne. He was imprisoned in a place far beyond reach, for if he were to ever be released, it would spell certain doom for all existence. And as this title card's rolling up, you see a shot of, as Ming the Merciless would say, Earth. <laughs> what a great start, bro. Like, what a oh. what a great opening title card. I, I love a good title card at the beginning, to, like setting things up like this, you know? It makes good it feel card, grandiose and epic. It makes it feel grandiose and epic, you know? Totally, totally. It does. It, it, it really sets the tone for this film because while it is funny as shit we're dealing with some dark stuff <laughs> for sure yeah and it's gonna get dark really fast so we're, we're also at- dealing with the power of love too <laughs> we sure are <laughs> so from there the um from there you see the shot of earth and then they close in on earth and it the earth turns into a green squishy ball covered in mud and you cut to Mimi and Luke, uh, brother and sister, playing what they call Crazy Ball. Crazy Ball! And for those of you that don't know what Crazy Ball is, and we got to ask Steven if this is a homemade game because it feels very homemade. It does, yeah. <laughs> uh, it, it's essentially like dodgeball. You throw your opponent's balls in the other direction, and they go to get the balls, and then you can throw back at each other, and depending on how many times you hit, you get points. Uh, if you get a butt shot, you get five points. <laughs> and then if your balls touch, <laughs> it's called a switcheroo. Good old switcheroo. Which, are, are you, did you understand what the switcheroo was? No, Were you able no. to make sense of it? No, no, no. It's like you get the other person's points or something. It's it, just like Psycho Goreman says later, I have no idea what's going on with this thing. But it's funny. It's great. And I love how this whole scene is shot. Like, the, the two kids, they're, like, in the rain. It's the backyard. It's muddy, but clearly they're having a good time. They don't care. Uh, but I love how the music is all tense, and they're having fun with it. And then there's a shot of, like, you know, the camera angles are happening, and it's all very exciting. And then they do this cool shot where it's, like, sort of from, like, the window of the house. And there's no music, and there's no exciting things, but they're still doing the same actions. And it looks – it's just – he did a great job of making it look small then, but then when you're in their world – it feels fun and exciting. Basically, he really just does a great job of capturing like kids' imagination. You know, he really does. He really, he really did capture what it is to be a kid uh, in the '90s and 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 or the '80s. You know, without having a handheld device or anything like that, or you know, playing video games like anywhere you want. You just got to be doing from the comfort of your couch with your buddy if, if that's what you're gonna do. But yeah, so. Mimi wins the round of uh, of crazy ball, and you cut to nighttime, and Luke is digging this massive ass hole in the backyard. It is it is like four feet deep, it's huge. and it's huge. It's huge, and he's like complaining. He's like, "Damn switcheroo!" <laughs> Mimi's ta- taunting him, and then as he's digging in the ground, suddenly Luke hits something hard, and he goes to like kind of dust off whatever it is and rub the dirt off of it. And it's, it's a glowing like orb that's stuck in the ground. Mm -hmm. 
uh, Luke thinks whatever the thing is in the ground is a coffin. And, and he says to Mimi, he goes, is this where, is this where they bury grandma? <laughs> Her her thing late. I actually wrote the 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 actual line later of what she says, but I'll bring it up at the time. But I love the the references to grandma and how <laughs> evil I guess she was. Yeah, it sounds like a fucking tyrant, uh, friggin' tyrant. I'm gonna say friggin'. Thing, I know, heckin' um, and friggin'. Heckin' and friggin'. And uh, and so you know, Mimi drops down into the hole with him and and is trying to dig out the this glowing thing, but she can't. And Luke notices buttons, kind of like. Uh, uh, like uh, ancient looking buttons around the orb and and he goes to press them and then Mimi stops him and says no I'm crazy ball champion so I get the treasures <laughs> she's not wrong <laughs> and then she pushes the buttons totally randomly yeah and the cube pops out of the course. little gem <laughs> gem pops out and she takes it and then something gets unleashed, but we don't know what it is just yet mm-hmm. because they take it and she's like all excited about it. They climb out of the hole and uh, Luke starts to like fill up the hole with dirt, which he does. And then mom suddenly calls him in time for bed after they finish digging up after they finish filling up the hole a little bit. I cut- mean, not Well, I guess, I guess he fills up some of it, but I wouldn't imagine it was all of it, but I, cause I know it's there the next day, but yeah, he, he was filling up some of it, right? It's there the next day because, because it was in there, got out. Yeah, exactly. Okay. But yeah, it looked like he actually filled up a lot of it. Okay. And I'm like, wow, that was pretty damn fast. Luke. Yeah. <laughs> you, you go boy. So, uh, from there you cut to bedtime and mom is tucking, uh, Luke in bed and uh, and then he calls dad in and he asks his dad if there's monsters and dad says he goes hmm monsters uh, and he goes are monsters real and he goes well humans are monsters and the mom like looks annoyed as fuck <laughs> I know. like from the get go like, she just looks disgusted with everything that her, her husband says dumbass and, husband yeah and she goes what your genius father is saying is there's no such thing as monsters and then she notices a scratch on luke's forehead and she's like uh and she's like oh luke and and dad goes well looks like someone lost a crazy ball <laughs> just like doesn't give a shit no he's 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 both simultaneously the worst and the best well, yeah, because he's about to like be really cool to Mimi well, in just and, a second, and I think that's where his you know you'll see that the course of the movie that's his redeeming quality is that he has a good connection to Mimi in, in the film. Yeah, he does. He likes her more, I guess. Probably. Yeah. Uh, so from there, you cut to Mimi's room, and uh, and Mom says to Mimi, she's like, "Remember what we said last time when you're playing kooky ball." And then Mimi gets super fucking pissed, and she goes, "It's crazy ball!" <laughs> <laughs> like screams at her mom. <laughs> and she goes, Luke sucks at crazy ball. <laughs> and and after the mom says to take it easy on him, uh, suddenly, like out of nowhere, Mimi goes, so what's the deal with monsters? Are they real? Are they fake? And then dad wonders, you know, what's all this talk with monsters? Mimi says, I just want to make sure they kill Luke first. <laughs> and then and dad goes, well, that's harsh, but oh, but okay. <laughs> and then mom says, that's a horrible thing to say. And Mimi's like, Why? <laughs> And then totally like dismiss Mimi and like the mom's totally annoyed. And she's like, good night, wacko. <laughs> and and the dad comes back in and hi- she high fives her dad. Yeah. Like much to the dismay of the mom. Yeah. 
and and suddenly the dad like gives her metal horns as he's walking out of the door and he's closing the door on her <laughs> oh greg you're the best worst dad ever he really is. I messaged uh, Corey off air after this was over, and I said, I've taken so many notes on how to be a good dad now because of Greg. <laughs> now I know how to be a good dad because of Greg. You were doing it wrong this entire time. I guess so. I guess so. It was... <laughs> I guess so. I've got to fake hand injuries more often. Yeah, you do. Anyways. Yes, you do. <laughs> <laughs> so from there... I Mimi's like covered up to her neck uh, with the covers and I'm like she's clearly hiding her outfit you know she's gonna get she jumps out of bed and she's looking at the at the at the gem in her hand and she's looking out the window and then it cuts to the uh, the ground and the earth is glowing around where the 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 box or the the where the gem was right and then suddenly you hear a knocking on her on her wall and it's Luke knocking and this is cool because they're doing Morris code but uh, Stephen Kostansky like translates it yeah it's all translated and says I think we woke up grandma <laughs> that's what Luke writes <laughs> her reply is so like, grandma's in hell forever <laughs> so Luke says then what is it and then suddenly mom knocks and she's like, she knocks, go to sleep yeah. right now. And they, you see the dad looking at her. Just glaring just at her. Just like <laughs> glaring at bitter her. Bitter and annoyed. <laughs> Clearly in a loveless marriage. <laughs> I know. I know. So much. So loveless. So, so loveless. <laughs> oh God, it's so bad. Um, bad in a good way, though. Yeah. And then you, you cut back out to outside and you hear this big roar roar, and then you cut to a cityscape shot kind of like a transition and then you cut to what is a a shoe factory an abandoned old shoe factory and something is walking towards it towards this factory warehouse where these bums like these kind of tweaker thieve thieve gangs are like going through all the crap that they just robbed from some dude and uh, and there's like a young thief. There's like a, a bitter old crack-addled thief, and then another guy who doesn't say anything. And, and the, um, the the crack-addled one, he doesn't look like an actor. Like he's got no teeth. Nope. He can't talk. I'm like, I don't know if this guy's actually an actor. I think they might have just like gotten a homeless guy <laughs> for authenticity. Well, you know, it's funny you say that, and it's funny we 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 used to say that about um. Dr. Brule and uh, Tim and Eric's awesome show. Right. Like these guys are all, they must've found them off the street. And it turns out some of those guys are actually like pretty talented dudes who did shit back in the day. Well, I mean, Terry Bruges Hiplo, remember him? He was freaking Ivan Ooze in Power Rangers and he was in freaking the blob. We, we mentioned it when we actually see him in the movie. So yeah. And he was like a young, good looking dude back then. And Oh, age. Oh God. I'm so scared of aging. <laughs> It's not just age; it's hard living, man. True. Um, there, there. Yeah, I'll tell you a story off air about a certain actress that just hit hard times. Oof. She used to be so hot. Oof. Not anymore. Um, <laughs> not so, anyways, anymore. the young thief is like kind of. I just called him Tweaker, Young yeah. Tweaker. Yeah. He's just he's losing his shit because he's like, what? Why'd you get all this shit? You know, he picks up a picture frame. He's like, why'd you steal this? And then the guys <laughs> in the Tweaker, old Tweaker, is like. Because it's a nice frame. <laughs> and, the, and the tweaker like throws it behind his back and you're supposed to hear a crash. But instead of a crash, you hear a thump because it hits whatever that thing was that's walking in. 
um, cuts to the, like the silent tweaker. He's looking scared sitting on a couch and he's like drinking from a wine goblet and he drops the wine goblet and uh, young tw- tweaker, young aggro tweaker turns around, sees psycho Gorman in the doorway, like looking all jacked up. It's the first time we get a shot of him and he just looks, it looks so cool. I mean, let's talk about the practical effects for a second. It's phenomenal. Like it's a suit. It's a full on rubber suit that looks so good. It yeah. looks so good. Yeah, I, I love it, dude. I love the little like bits of neon that's in it that kind of like glistens the the, the bright purple that sort of glistens in the light. Man, it's it's so good. But dude, once I found out that he designed like he wanted to make it look like a 90s action figure, I was like it all sort of like clicked for me. I was like, "Oh, like that's what I was feeling the whole time. I just sort of couldn't put my finger on it, you know?" And he looks like a goddamn action figure come to life in the best possible ways. Yeah, it looks like something if if you know that we've talked about this on our favorite toy episode, uh Mangalore Mountain, mm-hmm. which I love so much. And if Mangalore Mountain was made rebooted in the nineties with like more posable features, it would look something like this. Yeah. Yeah. So badass. Um but yeah, so so we don't know his name just yet, so I'll just say the alien. Yeah. Uh, mumbles something and young tweaker says he's like, What'd you say, buddy? And uh, and then suddenly the alien goes, what the hell? And then throws the picture and then laughs. And then he goes, ha, 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 a variation of the Amovian tongue. How primitive. I like that it was like he, he, he was speaking his language and then he heard them speak and he's like, okay, I know how to like, he immediately knew how to process that and, and you know, talk now. that And that's all you needed. Like, I'm fine with that. For the rest of the movie, he speaks English and I, and this is great. This was a great way to just knock that out of the way. Why this guy knows English, you know? Yeah, th- this was one of a few continuity moments where I'm like, are they going to explain this? And they do. There's another moment at the end of the movie, which I'm sure you know about. And one of the main characters even brings up exactly what I was thinking at the time. And I'm like, that is awesome writing. It is so smart. This is such a smartly written film. It really is and it never had to be but i think what is going to make this movie have legs is the fact that it's also it's a very tight script like and by that i mean there's no like little moments that don't come back later like there's no wasted uh scenes in the in this movie everything has a reason and everything will come back or or be referenced you know the it's all a part of the, the the giant piece of the puzzle that is PG, and it all fits perfectly together. It really does. It really does. So, And that's a testimony to Stephen Kostansky's just abilities, writing, directing, everything, just envisioning this whole thing. This is very much a singular vision that, of course, a lot of people worked on and everything, but it is his vision, and he executes it perfectly. To a T. To a T. So... From there, um, yeah, so the old tweaker wants to leave. He's freaking out, and so is the and the, the silent tweaker is freaking out too. And the young tweaker's like, hey, you dickless shit. We already killed one asshole tonight, and we'll gladly do it again. <laughs> and, and at this point, the alien is right next to uh, annoying tweaker, and he smacks him, and he, like, flies against <laughs> – he flies across the, uh, the warehouse and, like, hits a beam. Suddenly, the alien does some weird hand thing and like puts electro electric 
pulses around the two other tweakers and alien says come to me and he pulls them in and he grabs them both by the neck and he says your flesh is unboned and weak Perhaps in a few millennia, you'll make a worthy adversary, but not today. And he rips their heads off. <laughs> so good. Fucking, he basically does a double Sub-Zero fatality from the original Mortal Kombat. He rips two heads off with their spines and everything. And, you know, at first I was like, I didn't expect him to have, like, magic powers. I thought he was just going to be more of, like, a force to attack with. But he's got quite an arsenal of abilities, and it's really fucking cool because, again... It just feels like a, a, a character from the 90s, like a cartoon character. It just happens to be a rated R movie. This feels like a 90s cartoon in just rated R movie form. Yeah, this is the Mortal Kombat movie we wanted, Yeah. Guys. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so after that, uh, the uh, young tweaker who got thrown across the, 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 the warehouse, the alien walks to him, up to him, and, uh, and then suddenly the tweaker like pulls a blade out but then he drops it in horror and suddenly the alien like sh- kind of shock freezes him and the, t- and the tweaker says, Oh, I don't want to die. And then the alien says, then live forever. And then the dude's eyes start to glow and he screams. And then you cut to outside the warehouse while you hear the alien laughing. <laughs> You'll find out later what's going to happen to him. So awesome. So, so fucking, awesome. it's so freaking awesome. It's so friggin' awesome. Um, from there, you cut to the next day, and it's Mimi and Luke and their mom and dad looking at the giant hole in the backyard. Giant f- fucking hole, man. It's massive. And the dad is, like, very proud of his son's <laughs> hole. Yes, you can see. I think he says something like, good job, but, like, but yeah, it was like, good job, but also don't do this again type of thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah, he goes... Uh, he, he, yeah, he, yeah, he, I think he said, he goes, great job, but unacceptable. Yeah. There he goes. Yeah. Great, great hole, son. Unacceptable though. <laughs> <laughs> and, he, and then he's like, who's going to fill it up? And, uh, they speculate on like what made the hole. <laughs> and they're like thinking of all these different things. And one of them's like raccoon. <laughs> like what? <laughs> the fucking raccoon is going to make this. And then they say, you know, who, well, who's going to fill up this hole? And the kids are like, well, dad's going to fill it up. And the mom's like, yeah, you're going to fill it up. And he's like, well, I vote that you fill it up. As a family, all three of you. <laughs> yeah. And, and I've got one vote to you three. I guess I got to fill it up. So he grabs a shovel to fill it up. And he, he grabs one scoop of dirt and throws it in the hole. And right after that, he goes, ow! It stains this fake injury to his wrist. But is it fake? Because he's it's wrapped later. I'm like, I, he might just be the worst. Like, it, he might have actually hurt himself. I think he's just super selling it. He would be great pro wrestler because he's selling that move. Like, he got he got injured from that. Come on, I know. No, he, I would be where if I would sell it too. If because it kind of explains why he does what he does yeah, later with the tv course. and suddenly suddenly mom like takes him inside as he's grabbing his wrist and the kids look at each other and they start shoveling the dirt from there mimi and luke are walking to school and they're talking about the size of the claw marks that they saw outside the hole and some random kid runs by them i thought it was going to make matter at one point and yeah. it didn't at all yeah i'm, um, I'm with you because yeah because he yeah, it comes right up by the camera and everything. I was like, oh, is he going to knock them over? Nope, he's just a, just an extra, just a kid Some running. Some random yep. extra. 
uh, Luke says, you know, we should go to the cops. And Mimi's like, I don't trust them. <laughs> and he's, and uh, Mimi's like, I want to, I want to search myself, you know? And then Luke's like, that's crazy. And Mimi calls him. A, she's like, you're a stupid wiener. Pull up your diapers. Cause we're going to find whatever crawled out of that hole. Like a couple of real American heroes. <laughs> and this one, she says, can you dig it? Yeah. Then she grabs him and then she says, can you dig it? <laughs> and now is that a, is that a warrior's reference? Yes, dude. I mean, that's yes. awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> I was like, I wrote that down. I was like, I think that's a warrior's reference. I think, I think so too. Yeah. It, comes, it's, it gets called back later in the movie too. Uh, suddenly this f- like foppish kid walks up, this kind of cool guy with his little Leonardo DiCaprio look and uh, named Alistair gives uh, Luke a bro shake and they start talking about video games and then Mimi says hey cutie you look good she goes I think she calls him a hunky boy here right it's coming she goes hey cutie you look good in your little outfit there why don't you give us a little spin hunky boy <laughs> she's she's so aggressive dude and she's like she's younger than than her older brother she's younger than luke so she's probably younger than alistair but she looks she, like she's like nine she's so aggressive and and alistair's like um no thanks <laughs> and dude this is my favorite part the bell rings she like screams smacks luke's papers out of his hand and, and she then, takes it and throws it away and then, and then like he's like, dick. hey, my math won't work. And then she <laughs> runs to school. And I'm like, I was like, how can you not love Mimi? I love Mimi, dude. Well, or the flip side, because Alistair goes, is your sister crazy? Yeah. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I mean, I yes. love her because she's not my sister. How about that? Oh, man, she would drive me nuts. Yeah. But as a character, she's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> like, she's supposed to be annoying and a jerk. She's so good at, at Crazy Ball and rubs it in her brother's face. It's sibling rivalry. Be- because, I mean, let's be truthful. I mean, I've seen the movie a couple of times now. If her character wasn't this aggressive, she would not be able to handle PG the way that she does. And once her and PG hook up, I mean, it's fucking gold, bro. It's comedic gold. I love everything about it. And I feel bad for PG immediately. <laughs> but we'll get to well, that. We'll get to that. Guys, we'll to that. I, I, I mean, guys, we're like only 45 minutes into this, and we are just like, I, I'm brimming with, with happiness about this film. I, I love every scene so far. Every scene, even just random scenes with just pe- normal people, dads and moms and kids. There's always something funny and interesting happening in every single scene. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like what we're about to just get to right now. I mean, you uh, can say that prior to every scene we're about to get to right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I smiled throughout this entire breakdown as I was <laughs> taking notes. So because I'm like, I can't believe I just wrote that. Um, <laughs> so from there, we cut back to uh, their the kid's house and they go back to the they're at the hole. And they see footprints outside the hole and they start following the footprints, like basically like through a forest. And then the forest takes them to the old shoe factory and they get to the shoe factory and Luke doesn't want to go in. And Mimi's like, here, she gives them this colorful ball with like pom poms and nails sticking out of it and razor blades. And she goes, it's a Luke killer. It'll (laughs) it'll protect you. (laughs) And Luke takes it and like cuts him immediately. Of course. So she takes it back. <laughs> Ow. Then they go into the warehouse and they're both freaked out. 
Uh, but Mimi's acting all cocky and she said, uh, she goes, the, <laughs> the most dangerous thing in here is me. <laughs> I love that. God, I love her confidence. <laughs> She's so great, dude. And Luke wants to go at this point. And, and, and Mimi's like, Mimi yells out. She's like, creep, show yourself or I'll break you into a pile of bones. No, no, that doesn't sound good. This is super dumb. Well, let's go. And then as soon as she does, they turn around and they see the young tweaker from earlier in the movie who's frozen in place and his eyeballs are spinning around like a fucking poker slot machine uh, <laughs> reels where they're like, and it's not like a cartoon. I mean, it's, it's gory, you know, it's like, it's, it's, but it's, it's horrific. It's absolutely horrific. And you can tell that he's like in, he's locked in a nightmare and he's like kind of screaming. I think he's kind of moving a little bit too. It's yeah. He's like kind of jittery, but he's still frozen in this like gelatinous freeze. Yeah. Yeah. He's like on his knees like with his mouth like he's like on his knees like sitting upwards like sort of stick straight upwards with his mouth open kind of head back a little bit and yeah his eyes are literally rolling constantly as he's like you know it's it's yeah he's in he's it's like hellraiser in 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 like you know suburbia yeah yeah it's come to life Mm -hmm. hellraiser has fucking hit everywhere around them and they, they obviously freak out. I would, too. And then suddenly the alien walks out and he goes, is that fear I smell? <laughs> How sweet. Luke says, oh, my God. <laughs> and then Gorman says, that's what this one called me. And hold, he cuts back to the tweaker. <laughs> I like how you now just call him Gorman. We're just we're now we're just calling him Gorman, guys. <laughs> Gorman. Sorry, I can't say alien. I know, no, it's being I just I love it. It's crazy. He's Mr. Gorman now. Hey guys, Mr. Gorman's here. <laughs> and then he freezes Luke with his like energy beam around him. And he goes, Are you also a man? You are much smaller. <laughs> you are much smaller creatures. No matter, you will suffer like the rest. Know the sweet release of death. You will be spared the sight of your planet, being torn to pieces, watching as everyone you hold dear is drowned in a sea of their own blood. And then Mimi goes, shut it! (laughs) And Gorman's like, huh? (laughs) Right? And then Mimi says, I am a woman. And if you don't let go of my stupid wiener, bro, right now, <laughs> PG releases Luke. Uh, and then Mimi, like, holds the cube in her hand. Or, the, sorry, the cube is glowing from her from her jacket. And Gorman's like, uh-oh. <laughs> He's, like, looking at it. Yeah, and then Mimi pulls it out. She, she gets all cocky. And she's like, oh, is this yours? And Gorman says, you know, it's the gem of I'm, – I'm going to bastardize this name. Uh, Guy Gags. Perac- Gygax, right? Well, but he says it's the gem of peroxidite. Oh, okay. Right, right. Oh, he's from planet Gygax. Yeah. He's from planet, yeah. Yeah. He says it's the gem of, I'm going to say it a bunch of different ways throughout this episode because I got it wrong, peroxidite, (laughs) (laughs) which is not what it's called. I'll get to another one of them later. And Gorman says, whoever holds the gem, sorry, he says the gem and I are one. Whoever wields it is able to command me while it's in their possession. But know this, child, the power you hold will be short-lived. And Mimi's like, yeah, 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 yeah. 
I mean, this is this is great. Like, this immediately starts the tone of like Psycho Gorman being like all like elaborate, like, oh, this is I'm gonna tear this down and do this, and she's like, I don't care, and he's like, oh, what? And he always gets so flustered by her. I love it. Yeah, he just totally gets her on her, on, uh, like, takes him by surprise because it's like this little kid who's giving him shit. She's super confident. Not even just that little kid. He's probably never been talked to this way before. Like, right. post, post getting his powers, he's never been talked to like this before. Exactly. And so she's like, oh, I can do anything I want. You have to do anything I want, right? And uh, she goes, pick up, pick up my brother and spin him like crazy. And so he does. He's like, okay. And he levitates Luke and starts spinning him around like a top. And Luke's like, it hurts. (laughs) (laughs) And then she has uh, Gorman put him down. At this point, Gorman's so annoyed with her. And he's like, the more games we play, the more suffering will, the more your suffering will be. Uh, (laughs) And is this when Luke, uh, because he's all dizzy and everything, and he walks over to, it's like kind of like stumbles over to the, the tweaker, the young tweaker that's like, you know, frozen in time like that, <laughs> knocks, knocks him over, shattering him into a bunch of gooey pieces. But I love Psycho Gorman's reaction. He goes, no, my masterpiece. <laughs> but I love how he was immediately, no. <laughs> and then it cuts back down to the the tweaker whose head is just like, it's it's exploded like Gallagher exploding a watermelon with a mallet. That's what it looks like. There's just chunks everywhere, except for a mouth. The mouth of the tweaker is still on the ground intact, and it's moving. It's like, meh, well, it says thank you. Is that what it says? Like thank okay. you. And it looks like, oh, sorry, man. <laughs> so good, so good. Everything is so good. Oh, and so uh, Mimi asks, she's like, do you have a name, Monster Man? And he goes, no name can encompass my dark will, though my enemies will sometimes refer to me as the Archduke of Nightmares. And Mimi goes, well, that sucks. We can workshop this. <laughs> she calls Luke, and Luke doesn't want to say anything. And, 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 he's, and Luke's like, he'll kill us. We don't want, like, let's get out of here. And then Gorman starts to say what he's going to do to them. And as he as he starts to like run down his list of what he's going to do, Mimi interrupts and calls him Monosaurus Rex. And then now they start workshopping the name like immediately. <laughs> yeah, Luke goes, Master Thundrax. And then she says, Opalum Khan. And then he says, Revenge X Bat. <laughs> and then she says, Heartless Creep. Rip Lord, Shadow Step. Murder man. They keep on going on names back and forth, <laughs> coming up with names. And then as they're doing that, Gor- Gorman's running in place. Yeah. Because yeah. she made him. She made she him. told him to go run in place yeah. while they're doing this. Poor bastard. He, and he's just, again, he's just staring at them, wants to kill them so bad. <laughs> and then finally, uh, Mimi's like, the Dark Lord of Wonderful Smooches? <laughs> and Gorman says, I will never accept such a title. Mimi says, stop running and clap your hands. And then she goes, Psycho Man? And then Luke says, Goreman? And then Mimi proudly announces, she goes, his name will be Psycho Goreman, or PG for short. It's fun. It's hip. It's new. It's now. (laughs) PG's pissed. It's perfect. I mean, it's It's perfect. perfect. 
It's really a perfect name. Mm-hmm. And I love that they're like workshopping the name in front of him. <laughs> much much to his dismay. <laughs> and and yeah, he's and he's like she he starts clapping and she's like, "Will you stop clapping? You're driving me crazy." And the kids introduce themselves to to now PG. And he's pissed off and he's like, he growls at them. And he says, I wield powers unimaginable to your simple minds. He starts to rant and Mimi tells him a knock-knock joke. And he just stands there. He doesn't get it. And Luke says, just say who's there already. Jeez. What planet are you from? <laughs> and I, I wrote this down because I love how PG, he just, Gygax. Like he immediately responds, <laughs> yeah, Gygax. And then, and then he says, who's there? I, I like how he just, he, he, re- he replies, he answers Luke. <laughs> <laughs> and then Mimi tells him to go in the corner of the factory, sit down and shut up and they'll take and they'll come back for him in the morning. You dig? And he goes, dig what? Go. Ah. Oh. And this was my note. Like, I mean, dude, how do you make a monster like <laughs> like immediately you as the viewer feel sorry for him? Like we immediately side with PG because we're like, oh, this must be terrible for you, you know? Because of Mimi. It, yeah. It's, it, it's, it's effective. It's it's so effective. That's It works. It all works. None of this should work on paper, but no. it all works in execution. No, because Corman, you know, he, he like he plays it straight the whole time. The he whole, never breaks, yep. mm-hmm. never you know breaks kayfabe, and he goes, "You will suffer an eternity for this." And I, this is one of my favorite parts of the movie. And Mimi goes, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, bye." <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> I so did. That was when I wrote the note. I was like, I feel sorry for PG at this point. <laughs> oh man. Hey everybody, Corey here. I just wanted to let you know that we'll be right back after these short messages. Hey everybody, welcome to Talking Back, the podcast where we like to chat about past achievements in movies, comics, video games, and more. I'm your host, Tim, and with me today in studio is co-host Dean. Oh, hey, Dean. hey, Tim. Dean? Huh? Uh, this isn't a full episode. This is actually just an ad. All we have to do is tell everyone that our podcasts come out on Mondays and they can find us on their favorite podcatcher. If they're into movies, comics, or video games, they should definitely check us out. Oh, well then, thanks everybody for listening and we'll catch you next time. Talking back. Hello! La la la. I'm Adam. And I'm Corey. And we are the hosts of Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast. We are breaking down every single episode of Seinfeld as we watch it, reliving this amazing show. That's right. It's a trip down memory lane for all of us 90s kids out there. You can find Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, and Patreon. La la la. Hello everybody, I'm Adam. I'm John. And every week we are giving you a blast from our past. We are the podcast that brings you full-on movie breakdowns, TV show reviews, album reviews, top tens, and more, all from the things of our nostalgic past. So please join us every single week on the Blast From Our Past podcast. You can find us on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, however you listen to podcasts, you can find us, and we would love to have you take a trip with us to the land of nostalgia. And now, back to the show. Now, from there, 
uh, you know, it cuts back to Mimi as they're as they're back at their house, and Mimi's speculating what his favorite snacks are, and uh, and and she's like, we should bring him goodies before we take him on the town. And Luke's like, are you nuts? <laughs> and he says he'll kill everyone if they if we take him out. And Mimi gets all cocky, and she says, not unless I tell him not to. And then she points at the amulet, and Luke's looking all nervous, and Mimi says, well, yeah, we should probably teach him some cool tricks anyways. <laughs> Is this when she says, watch out, world, it's Mimi's time to shine? Yes, I think she does. (laughs) Oh, man. So now from here, I just finished watching um, Doctor Who recently with Bodhi. We're now on a Doctor Who tip. And and they were in Gallifrey with, like, a committee. So I was like, oh, it's like Gallifrey with all the different aliens sitting around and shit. Because you cut to another planet, which I'm like, is this Gygax maybe? Or is this... I, yeah, I'm not quite sure if that is ever Gygax um, or if it's just, you know, a random place that, that that the council, the Universal Council is at or something. Yeah, I don't really know. The shot of the planet in space is cool. It's, yeah. like, a, it's like a green version of Earth. Yeah. It's really cool looking. And the practical effects of, like, the uh, outside of, the, of this council where these different aliens are meeting is beautiful with the with the statues that they mm-hmm. have they've got a statue of a templar knight which uh we'll get to in a second it's, but it, oh everything just looks so gorgeous it's i mean it's there's no cgi dude i mean it's, no. it's it's all miniatures uh all the all the all the alien planet stuff are all shot with miniatures and then all of the aliens here are all practical uh effects and they look fantastic this is a low budget film guys and it looks absolutely fantastic now in the in the documentary uh Steve Kostansky says that this is he called this scene or this area like his phantom menace because he really was trying to kind of go with a George Lucas vibe like he was like like a specifically almost like specifically like a phantom menace vibe because he's like I wanted you to like like have them talk about like treaties and stuff like stuff that you don't the audience has no clue what they're talking about but it that's what lends itself to feeling like there's a history there and like it feels like it's a vibrant world but this is his weirdly this is his homage to Star Wars really it, more so to like George Lucas himself you know yeah i, I can pass on the phantom menace but yeah. I'm cool with that. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I get it. And I love the prequels. I, I don't care. But and, and, I and but I do like this, and I do see where he was what, trying to do with it. And, again, like everything in this film, he executed it perfectly. And I love all of the alien designs in this film. They're all different looking. Uh, they're, they're, each one is completely unique. Um, some are I, like I mean, robots. Some are like robots with, like, brains in jars. And then some of them are totally alien you know and everything uh the one alien that's a bit more vocal and, and the funny one talks a lot that's um i forgot which who it was but it's a it, that's an astron six guy okay that makes sense yeah he reveals his name at the very end of the episode yeah or at, at the very end of the movie yeah uh, he reveals who he is the creature that is um but yeah you're right there, there's like six six or seven aliens sitting around it's really cool looking did you and... notice the one with the he was kind of reptilian with like a gold helmet. I, I I would I would love to ask Steve Kostansky because he looks like the from Masters of the Universe movie, the one alien bounty hunter guy that freaking Skeletor killed to make an example, you know, out of the rest of them. He looks yep. like that. And I only noted it because 
he was my favorite one in Masters of the Universe. And when I saw the Masters of the Universe movie in the theater, of course, he's the only one that dies. And I was like, of course. I was like, it's the Boba Fett. Of course. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. The coolest one had to die. But the coolest, I, And they left Karg for, of, uh, you yeah. know. For the, who yeah. was the the lamest one? Exactly. Of, of the but did you notice that guy? Did you see him? Oh yeah, he was really cool looking. And I did mean, you th- all of the? I couldn't take my eyes off. I was pausing this movie so often because I wanted to like look at everything. Did you like get the same vibes I did from that one specific guy? Did that? Did you clue in on that at all? I didn't clue into it uh, then, but after you saying it now, it makes total sense to me. Okay, cool. cool. So yeah, yeah. I, I'm cool with that. Yeah, that makes total sense. But yeah, I, every that. one of them looks awesome so good like it's so good none of it looks cheap at all at no, all no. um but but they're sitting around and they're you know around this big table saying the ultimate evil has been awakened and they said whoever released <laughs> this is really funny uh the one you're talking about who's an astron six guy he's like whoever released uh the alien must have had intelligence that far surpasses our own. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> and we see because and the funny thing is she did it with like an eeny meeny miny mo type of thing, which is great. Yeah, about, that's yeah it was great. so funny. And uh, suddenly, the, the kind of the white warrior who turns out it's Templar Pandora. She slams her fist down. And she says, "We should have wiped him off the galaxy when we had a chance." And the cabinet, like the committee, asks. Templar Pandora, what they should do. And she says, the only verdict is for him to die by my hand. No Templar code. And the committee says that, you know, he's destroyed planets. So, like, she gets up to walk away to, like, get ready to leave. And they're like, well, how does she intend to defeat him on her own? She says, I have faith that the gods will watch over me. And it cuts to her, like, looking at this. I wrote a wicked cool statue of this, like, Templar statue. It's so badass looking. They're like, it's like a mech. It reminds me of, of like, um, uh, of, like, Gundam, uh, uh, the, the anime shows, yeah. you know, back in the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very, in, seems inspired by that. And it's, you know, and obviously it's it's a complete opposite of Psycho Goreman, where, like, he's, you know, all dark colors and all, like, organic with, like, organic armor. She's all white with with metal armor and it's all like hard edges and everything but i'm not gonna lie to you bro i loved the way the templars looked in this um and you know it's it's obvious it's a suit i mean it's not cgi it's a freaking suit that the person's wearing that she's wearing and everything and I, i think it looks amazing now this is not you know, like, Infinity War budget, guys. Like, trust me. You know, so you look at it and you're like, oh, that doesn't look amazing. Yeah, if you're comparing it to, like, a, a billion-dollar movie, yes. But, no, it looks amazing at the budget that it's at. It looks better than it ever should look at the budget that it's at. And it's it's in an I love how... I love how seriously they treat everything. I love yes. how they... I mean, you see Agreed. this costume in full light. They don't hide anything about it and and it looks fantastic it looks really freaking cool another awesome toy now the funny thing is you know steve costancy talks about he would the psycho gorman was made for him i would have bought the toy of of pandora or any templars if i saw them because that's right up my alley right there i would have bought the toy of greg <laughs> yeah, yeah, Craig. That would that would have been the best toy ever. <laughs> it comes with multiple hands. Um, 
and so, a lazy uh, boy and, and multiple right. tvs <laughs> yeah, I mean, multiple tvs and a screaming and it, psycho gorman head to lead him around in a toilet yes um yeah so uh this is funny because she's like looking at the statue and then the the alien that was kind of speculating that she couldn't do this by herself he goes ooh sounds sounds like a load of superstitious nonsense to me and the temp pandora turns around she goes what and the alien says oh oh nothing 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 <laughs> and the templar says you don't believe me and she starts choking him out and and he's like you know is practically dying at this point she says do you believe it's my destiny to vanquish out the darkness from the universe and he goes i believe and she goes never forget it was it was the Templars that cleansed this world of the dark scourge. It was the will of the gods that saved you, and they can just as easily have you all wiped out from existence. And then after that, she drops him down, and he's kissing her boots, which is hilarious. <laughs> and then Pandora asks, what are the creatures of this planet? Talking about Earth. And one of the bizarre aliens goes, humans. And she goes, I want to see one. And this like weird head dude beams just random chick <laughs> in from nowhere. Poor, poor yeah. random girl just appearing, looking terrified because now right. she's facing like s- s- eight horrible looking aliens. But right. not he, for long. <laughs> nope, because he, he, she, uh, Pandora puts a force field around her. And then suddenly turns her into a fucking meat cube. Yeah, she like, like crushes a cube of like, meat. She like shrinks the force field and just it, it like yeah explodes. It explodes her, and then out comes essentially it's just a meat cube that like a pulsating yeah. meat cube. Yeah, That's that was probably the most horrible part of the movie, you know, because that poor poor girl. It's not just the gore; it's like what they do with the gore. It's so disturbing. Just knowing like how much in pain these people are in right now because they're still alive yeah it'd be one thing if just a head explodes if a car crashes but these people like the dude with his eyes rolling back the the cop later on it's looks so painful Mm -hmm. it does so yeah um so from there the templar says uh she's like holding the meat cube in her hand and she goes, he will not escape us this time. The light of heaven will always extinguish the darkness of evil. And then she takes the meat cube and she smashes it on the table and then takes the blood from the meat cube and wipes it all over her face. And then did you notice that like then her like you could see that her face was like starting to melt. The armor was starting to melt away. And then it was the, the actress lady was underneath that she just turned into the meat cube. So you yeah, didn't, you didn't see the reveal completely, but it was still a cool effect having the, the mask melt away a little bit to reveal that underneath. But I loved how shocked the council was at, at her because the cool thing is as weird and horrifying as these aliens look, they make them very like, like human make them very like normal people. And like, it's almost like, you know, it, it, this this lizard person, it's almost like they're just a normal person in their world, and now they yeah. have to deal with this insane scenario. They're almost, it's the cool thing is, like, their reactions are basically what our reaction would be to see this, you know what I mean? So I mean, I wrote that down. I wrote shock Yeah, <laughs> right after that happened. It's really cool. Yeah, she wipes it's it across really cool. her mouth, and she, like, does, like, this, like, oh, like, type yeah, of thing. It's says, really neat. Yeah, she says, may the gods watch over me. 
and then she yeah you like you like you said she kind of absorbs the face of the of the human that she that just she crushed just crushed and then probably crushed. ingested a little bit of it or something like that yeah yeah and i'd like not gonna lie i enjoy antagonists that are religious zealots i kind of dig that and i dig that he injected this like a very earth thing with the Templars and having a, like a zealot and everything, but injecting that into a, a galactic sense. And cause I think it could have easily, you know, I think he could have easily just gone with like more star Wars and just start making up, making things up and everything. I like that. It feels very grounded, even though it also feels very epic and big. Like I do think that we can understand the motivation in the stories because he's keeping it very small and grounded, even though the scale is huge. Yeah. I actually love the anti-religion message mm-hmm. throughout this whole thing. Me too. Anti-organized religion. Right. I love it. Yeah. Cause I'm too. just like, it's all bullshit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Look at, look at it. It's, it's ruining people, mm-hmm. you know? It, I mean, um, it has since the <clears throat> dawn of time, buddy. <clears throat> That's right. It's just oppression is at the root of all of these religions pretty yep. much. Uh, Western anyways. So from there, we cut back to the forest uh, on Earth, and Mimi is with Alistair and Luke, and Luke's trailing behind as they're walking to the shoe factory, uh, and Luke's carrying a TV with him, and Mimi's like going on and on about some random-ass dream that she had. <laughs> and then Alistair asks about Psycho Gorman, and Mimi's like, oh, he's the big scary monster that wants to kill everybody. And Alistair goes, huh? <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> Are you serious? From there, Luke's like, can one of you guys help me with this? As he's struggling with the TV. And they both turn back at him and they go, uh, no thanks. <laughs> <laughs> now you cut to the shoe factory and Alistair sees uh, Gorman f- for the first time. And with his back turned, like where she told him to sit in the, sit on this stool or whatever this box yeah, and he's we, not moving yeah and we forgot to like I don't, we mentioned earlier but like i just want to reiterate like he, he slumped over like it was so very sad and small you know yeah he he's yeah he he looks like either he's dead or he's crying right, right? and she's like hey wake up wake up and he's pretending to be sleeping and then she's like come on like, hello, she's trying to get his attention. I like how she and says, did we need to feed him? Did we forget to feed him? Yeah, that's right. And then suddenly he turns, right, to scare Mimi. And Actually, no, I think it was the... to turn to grab the, the gem, basically. Yes, that's right. And she holds up the anime, uh, holds up the gem. And she goes, nice try. <laughs> yeah, he, he tries it. Yeah, he tries it a couple of times. I, I love it. I think it's great. And then Mimi introduces Alistair to Gorman. And then she goes, we brought you some reading materials and a TV. Sorry, we didn't bring any pornos. <laughs> like, whoa, what? What? <laughs> and then suddenly Gorman's like disgusted by the magazines. And, and and Mimi says, but look at all the hunky boys. And he says, I do not care for hunky boys. And then he's as he's looking down at the magazine, he's looking at this dude with his beefy chest. And he goes, or do I? <laughs> like does like a small dolly like into him and i'm like so my wife and i have been saying like i do not care for hunky boys or do i or we'll just say or do i bro we died when we saw that for the first time like i I love it 
I love that Psycho Gorman loves hunky boys. I love that it doesn't like come into play if he's gay or not, and I don't care. He's an alien and he loves hunky boys. I I'm on board a hundred percent. At this point, when he said, or do I? I was sold. I was a hundred percent into this movie for the rest of the ride. <laughs> I know it's it's fucking genius, bro. It's fucking genius. Yeah, there's so many moments early on where you're like oh this is the best part oh no this is the best part. I know. oh no this is the best part this at this point i'm like oh no this is the best part <laughs> yeah up to now this is the best part <laughs> or do Just... i <laughs> luke asks what gorman is and he says that is a tale bathed in blood of a million dead memories the kids sit down for story time and you flash back and he's to like his old planet. And he goes born in a time before Gygax light years from earth. Entire existence was servitude under the rule of Kings that claimed to serve a higher power that governed over us all. The Templars had no more divine purpose than the dirt I excavated to help build their churches. But still, they were able to crush the people of Gygax beneath their gilded heels. The Templars preached to us their holy scriptures, declaring their rightful ownership of Gygax. To them, we were nothing more than parasites trespassing on hollowed ground. And so this narration is showing um, this wicked planet that he's on. Basically, he and all the other uh, aliens are like wearing uh, like caged armor on their bodies to like suppress them in chains and they're doing slave work and the templars are kind of overseeing all of them and did you notice that they're digging in the ground but they're also having to fight tentacles that are coming out of the ground like and chopping them down it's almost as if like the trees are like tentacles and they're like attacking back. And I'm just like, this is so creative. Like that's so like, creative. Like I never, me personally, Corey, I never would have thought to have them not only excavating, but also chopping at tentacles. Like that's just, there's so much stuff happening. And then this is all like shot with like miniatures. It's a, it's a, if you've seen Stephen Costanzi's stuff before, it's got that same vibe as Manborg and whatnot, where it looks like it's on a green screen and man, up until like current days, I would have said that was lame back in the day. But now I love it. Now I love how it looks when something is clearly on a green screen, you know, like this. And it just—it's just a great melding of 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 miniatures, green screens, and everything, and no CGI. Like it's crazy, or you know, very minimal CGI. And you know what I mean by like when I say no CGI, it's just like there's no characters that are like fully CGI or something. You know, it all feels real. Yeah, I think the I I am totally on board with you 100% in the in the old school way of like I used to not be a fan of the green screen, but how it's done now, it's done in a way where we we as a viewer know it's a green screen but it's so visually stimulating yes. and that and that's the difference like a movie like Kung Fury where they use green screen through the entire thing but it looks cool mm-hmm. it's cool visuals yeah. like do something interesting with it don't just make it a like a cityscape backdrop make it make the green screen as important as everything else in that scene yeah, which is it- great and Kung Fury is a nice, uh, you know, would sit perfectly on the shelf next to Manborg, you know, oh, just with that same great. sort of vibe and everything. And yeah, it's it's I love 
these type of films. I don't even know what they're called. I guess you could say low budget sci-fi, but like, yeah, you could you could do it differently. They could they could have done it differently, but the way they chose to do it, the way Stephen Stephen Kostansky and his team chose to do it, it lends itself to have this particular aesthetic that has this nostalgic feel to it and feels very much and on purpose, I assume, like a '90s video game. Totally, totally. Yeah, I love it. And this is a perfect place to pause because Mimi like coughs up a candy at this point, like barfs it up. She's like, <laughs> and she goes, "Oh, uh, it, it, it this candy didn't taste. Very, this candy's not very good, or something like that." <laughs> Interrupts the story, and they like cut back to the factory, and then. Gorman goes back to his story, like without missing a beat. But then one day everything changed. And then uh, suddenly Gorman gets shot by a Templar at the dig site. And he goes, I discovered an artifact thought to be lost forever, forged by ancient Gygaxians, Gygaxian warlocks out of energy from the darkest corners of the galaxy. The gem, and now I got the name right, Paraxodite. A paraxodike. <laughs> Got it wrong. Steve Kostansky's in his car right now fucking cursing us. <laughs> like, damn it. Paraxodike. Paraxodike? <laughs> Something like that. And it's and, cool because they use um, stop motion here when, when he kind of picks it out of the ground or it's like it's in this weird viney thing sort of holding it you know and, it, and yeah it's, like the thing's alive. Yeah and it does stop motion and then and then he shoves it into his own chest. Yeah, his chest cavity opens up and he puts it in. And at the same at that same point, the Templars who kind of like are up on these high perches, they jump down. They like it's really cool. They like sail down to the ground. I love this. And um, suddenly Gorman gets energized and he breaks this like kind of a prison helmet off his head. And he says, the moment I took the gem in my hand and felt its immense power, my destiny was clear. The Templars raised their weapons up at Gorman, and he goes, I would destroy the Templars and anyone else that stood against me. They go to attack Gorman with lasers, and he laughs, and it cuts to Gorman on top of the Templar bodies, and he's like holding like a ripped-up body in his one hand, and he has the, their cross or their like symbol in his other hand, and he crushes the cross, and then he just knocks the head off the Templar that he's holding in his hand. So badass, dude. So badass. He goes, the gem bonded with me and gave me powers beyond all other beings. I was able to raise an army led by my loyal generals. And just like they show a bunch of different cool looking monsters. And he says, the paladins obsidian and take back Gygax. But I didn't stop there. It was clear that my thirst for death would only be satiated if I snuffed out all light in the universe. <laughs> this just cuts to Gorman destroying aliens on other planets. <laughs> I love, he, I love the one reason a giant mech, and he's just like yes. stepping on, I, I don't know, like some hut or something. But I mean, the whole thing is like miniatures. It just, it feels like a Godzilla movie for like literally. 10 seconds, you know, and I'm like the amount of effort to to get this like 10 seconds worth of film footage is amazing. And and I'm so happy that it's even in there because they had to build like that suit and everything for like, like I said, 10 seconds of screen time. 
Well, I think I think that was something I pointed I pointed out to Bodhi the other day when we were, when we were watching Doctor Who because now nowadays people go oh those old seventies and eighties Doctor Who's are so cheesy because the sets are so fake and and the props are so fake looking. Well, first of all, they didn't have a big budget. Second of all, they had to move really fast. And third, they did the best they could with what they had. And so taking that into consideration, it's like you go. It's actually a lot better than people give it credit for. Yeah. Like there was one monster that was covered in bubble wrap that they've spray painted green. It's so badass looking. Yeah. And I'm like, shit, that works for me. And for a six year old to see that, he's like, that's cool. Yeah. Because he knows he can do it. Now, as a 40 something guy watching this, I'm like, that's cool. And I can't do that. And I never would even attempt to do it because it's so badass looking it couldn't do it justice it's a weird thing to be watching a rated r movie and yet feeling like a kid while we're watching it but that's what this movie makes you feel like it's that oh, much totally. fun you know totally totally um and then uh gorman continues he goes i was he goes you know destroying all the planets and he goes i was overthrown and imprisoned by the templars and their planetary alliance they stole the gem and with it my power and then it shows Pandora like taking the gem and putting it on top of this uh, coffin that they've sealed him in. And he goes, to this day, I cannot understand. Because I was thinking the same thing. In this moment, this is the second continuity uh, star I give this. I'm like, if this dude is so powerful, how were they able to defeat him? But then he says, to this day... I cannot understand how such weak-minded insects could defeat the greatest power in the galaxy. I'm like, yeah. And you mentioned it. Okay, that's yeah. cool. Yeah. Like, that that checks it out for me. And then at that point, <laughs> it cuts to Alistair turning on the TV, and there's like 80s or ni- early 90s cartoons. It, I'm sure Kostansky created that just for this because yeah. it doesn't look like anything I've seen before. It didn't look like anything I recognized, yeah. And then he turns on the TV and, and he's all stoked. And Mimi's like, well, that dumb, boring story made me tired. Let's go, guys. And then she, she gives uh, Gorman some homework to watch more TV and have more fun. She goes, uh, and they, as they're leaving, Alistair says, it was nice to meet you. <laughs> and Gorman <laughs> says, it would be nice if you were, it would be nicer if you were dead. And Alistair goes, all right, bye. <laughs> I love that. It was so fast, Alistair. Nice to meet you. It'd be nicer if you were dead. He like he doesn't know how to turn it off. That's what I love. Oh, PG. PG, you're so good. You're so good. So good. And um and then this I'm like, oh, this is like terror vision, this moment here. Cause he goes to the TV and he realizes that he can use the energy to communicate and send a signal to the Paladin's Obsidian and his crew his wrecking crew and he does, he's able to c- connect with them. And, uh, and then, and then suddenly like through the TV, you hear an alien say, we will find you master. And then Gorman says, the gem has been stolen by two mindless meat children. You must obtain the gem. Understood. <laughs> and, and the TV starts like bleeding down the, the front of the picture yeah, and everything. Yeah. But it's just it, a callback later to that. Yeah. Yeah. But it's even cool because like I like how how Psycho Gorman says like the spirits of the electric or, or something about like the electrical dimension will help me communicate. Like he, he even says 
why he can do that. You know what I mean? He's like yeah. something like there's electricity flowing through this. I can use the spirits of the third dimension electrical realm to communicate. I don't know, whatever. It was all it's bullshit made up stuff, but I like that it exists. He doesn't just say I can use this. He gives a name to it. He gives a reason to it. it, that, it all these little tiny things that that is added to this film to just make it feel alive. I mean, I'll say it now. By the end of this movie, I wanted a more or just like comic books of this. I just wanted to live in this universe more because he did such a good job of just fleshing it out and making it feel like fully real, you know? Yeah, totally agree. Totally agree. I'm like, okay, wh- when's he making the sequel? Because I'm down right? for that. <laughs> right? Please. Please. Well, we'll see if the, the world still exists at that point. So, <laughs> Yeah, um, otherwise there's a giant purple naked guy destroying everything. <laughs> right. <laughs> so from there, we cut back to uh, Mimi and Luke's house, and they've got Alistair over for dinner. <laughs> and uh, it's at this point, the mom, Susan, says, well... She she basically says, I filled up the hole for you, <laughs> and your dad made dinner. Susan filled up the hole. And Al, you can tell Alistair's, like, not a fan. <laughs> and uh, dad, Dad's got a big old smile on his face. He's so proud that he made dinner. He's like, the chef, you know. And, uh, and Luke's like, it's tough. <laughs> and the dad goes, yeah, the microwave will do that. <laughs> he made a microwave dinner. He goes, but it also brings out the the spice or something like that, or the or the seasoning or something, and uh, he and the dad says, "What what were you guys up to today?" And Mimi says, "Oh, you know, playing with guns in the forest." And, and the dad goes, "Guns? Now that sounds fun. <laughs> Back when I was in the army, we used to play guns all the time. Except it was called the Iraq War. <laughs> we played for keeps, meaning you killed people." <laughs> the worst dad ever and then i didn't i didn't write the quote down but the mom basically emasculates him she's like well the, your dad never did go to war she said he never, never fired a gun in his life or something like that life just, yeah yeah he <laughs> just looks very perturbed at her and alistair and luke want to go upstairs to play video games and mimi's like trying to talk alistair into going with her to do something and he's like well i actually really want to play video games so they leave yeah and then mimi's all by herself and she goes to go play by herself, and mom says, hey, Mimi, you got to eat your broccoli. And Mimi says, no, I cannot because champions don't eat broccoli. It <laughs> just storms off. But dad's happy. He's happy. Why? Uh, because she ate her chicken. And the, mom's, and the mom looks over at the plate, and the full chicken's there, and she goes, uh, no, she didn't. And the dad just doesn't care. He, like, looks off all dazed out, and he just doesn't care like, about anything. Like, proud of his achievement that is not an achievement. But, yeah. <laughs> and what's funny is, dude, like, I-, I laughed extra hard because I was looking through my mom's basement years ago, and I found an old book, like, a hardback book from, like, the 60s or the 70s, and it was all about recipes for cooking with the microwave and i was like oh my god and then i was like oh yeah like because at some at one point the microwave was a new you know device technology there's a recipe book for it and i'm like oh my god it's a microwave though (laughs) (laughs) how to cook with the microwave i remember when it was like thick dude it was a thick hardback book I remember when, you know, everyone was like, the microwave's great, but the only thing you can't do in it 
is uh, make French fries and bacon. You can't make things crispy in a microwave, right? So the the as seen on TV guy came out with the microwave for microwavable bacon machine, and it looked like a, a clothesline that you put your strips of bacon on, and so the fat dripped, so it actually got hard, right? And then now they have microwavable French fries that come in this. There's like a uh, the crisping tray you put on top to make them crispy when you put them in the microwave, and it does. I don't know what the hell it does, but it like sucks the sucks it dry. So, <laughs> so we are we are a microwave free household, and that's um, good. I should be, and we haven't had one for for two years. Ever since we moved here, we we got rid of our microwave, and we didn't take it with us basically when we left LA, and. When I was younger, I never used the stove a lot. I never really, I never didn't cook a lot. But not having a microwave has forced me to use the stove more, which is good. That's a good thing. I've gotten better with it. But I'll say, leftovers heated on the oven versus in the microwave are so much better, dude. Like, I, not having a microwave, I'm just like, I never, we'll probably never have one again. We haven't needed it the entire time. Literally, the only thing I'd say we're missing is one of those like. You know, uh, it's like for your back, and it's like a heating pad, but it's full of like the unpopped um, uh, kernels or something. Like you're supposed to, what you're supposed to do is put it in the microwave and heat it up. That's literally the only thing we're we're missing by not having a microwave. <laughs> so don't have a microwave, guys. I'm better than all y'all. <laughs> I have a microwave just because. Yeah, I'm sure we have a kid. It's much easier to like but, do little things here and there with the microwave. I don't have that bacon thing, but I don't eat bacon anymore, so that's a whole other story. No, so. I eat bacon every day, baby. Oh, boy. I'm getting um, ready to die. <laughs> cutting, so let's – getting back to Mimi. Mimi's pissed. She's, like, on a swing outside at their house looking all bummed out, and she's looking at the gem in her hand, and she cuts back to Alistair. Cuts back to Alistair and Luke talking about pubes while playing vids. <laughs> playing <Basically>. vids. <laughs> and I wonder if that was a Costanzi thing when he was a kid or something. But, like, the video games they're playing is the only thing in the whole movie that kind of, like, dates it. Because I, when yeah. I first saw it, I was like, why are they playing such an old game? And I didn't even put it together that this was supposed to take place in the 90s. I was like, oh, that makes sense. I like that shit, dude. I was I don't remember what podcast I was talking about that on, but I like I like it when you make a period piece, but you don't like overtly like, you know, say where it is or what the time frame is or whatever. I like well, it we when talked you, about that. Mm-hmm, we I, talked about that in summer of 84. Yeah, exactly. I just like that you just have to piece it together based on, you know, your your what you see in the movie basically. Yeah, totally. I I mean, I didn't know when this took place, but I'm totally happy with that. Yeah. It makes sense now that it was the 90s. So, uh, yeah, they're talking about pubes, and suddenly Gorman shows up in the backyard. <laughs> and Luke sees it, and he's like, freaks. And Mimi summoned Gorman because she wants to play. Yeah, of course. <laughs> and she uses Gorman as her toy. She's, like, throwing a, throwing a ball at him. Well, I, I, do like, my- I do like real quick when uh, she was like, what took you so long to get here? And he's like, I am not your minion. I am not the bubble. And he's like, also, I got lost. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> so I can just picture, like, I can literally just picture Psycho Gorman walking around town trying to figure out where to go, you know? <laughs> totally. It, it it reminds me, too, of, like, some of the, um, like, the Sasquatch uh, beef jerky commercials. <laughs> yeah. The Sasquatch is like, look, guys, I'm just, I just want to have a normal life. <laughs> <laughs> 
like immediately regresses into like animalistic behavior. Yeah, totally. So uh, she's throwing the ball at his chest and just being like a brat. And he goes, this reminds me of the torture technique. Alistair and Luke are outside at this point. Alistair's like weirded out and he wants to leave. He's like, I want to go home. And Mimi says to Gorman, she's like, can you cast a spell on him so he'll stay to chuck basketballs at Luke? And and Gorman's like, you mean, I, I didn't write it down, but he's like, you you mean, well, there was a time when I cast a spell, a loving spell. Yeah. Uh, is it love that you're talking about? <laughs> it's like some kind of, like the Duchess of something or whatever, Gygax yeah. or whatever. And you she's know? like, yeah, basically. Yeah. Um, and then you cut back inside the house. And Susan, the mom, opens up the microwave that dad had been cooking in, and it looks like shit, like a, like a chicken just exploded inside the microwave. And she's wa- he's watching TV, and she comes down, and she's like, what did you do to the microwave? He goes, I cooked a great meal for my family. That's what I did. You're welcome. <laughs> You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> you, you, de- you destroyed the microwave is what you did, and then yeah. there's like this – beautiful like dolly shot of his face and he goes you're welcome and then yeah, he just she goes, stares it's totally wrecked <laughs> he stares and like and his small tear starts to form like you can see it form <laughs> in adam brooks's eyes and i'm like oh my god I wrote, I wrote, OMG, OMG, because I was laughing so hard in the scene. I, I had no idea where anything was going with the dad, but the, like always, Adam Brooks is just a joy to watch on screen. It's so funny, and and, and there's moments like this through the whole movie where it just breaks from what's going on. It's not the same, and I hope it, it be- Kostansky's not offended by this when I say this. It reminds me a little bit of, like, Tim and Eric when they they're doing something super silly and then suddenly the cam- the guy will look at the camera and like look all creeped out like it just like jilts for a second you it, know and it, and for this movie it almost feels like the dad Adam Brooks has his own story that's happening and has his own film that is oh, also yeah. filmed and acted differently than the rest of the movie now weirdly it's still cohesive like this yes. could have been jarring or whatever, but but for some reason it it, it it still coalesces together with the rest of the movie. But it almost feels like Greg the dad is in his is in his own movie that's different from the other movie that it's different from PG, like different from what we're watching. And when he has to be forced to kind of get into their movie, it freaks him out, you know. Well, a- as a as a teacher with my kids, I used to tell them some of the best stories you can write are like small moments in your life where you take one small little moment and expand upon it. Right. You know, I was, I was walk, I was in the park and I saw a dog and then you break it up into this big, crazy like story and fill it with all. And this is what this is. It's just one little small moment. The kids just happened to find this thing and all this chaos. But the reality is the reality is the mom and dad are still have this shitty ass relationship that they're dealing with. So we're seeing that as well, which is so brilliant. Yeah, you're right. It's like two different stories, but they cohesively connect and it's it's so well done. And so ag- well done. again, all of these themes, all of these like like concepts on paper, like you would pitch this to somebody, like all together? Like, are you crazy? But it all works. It all cohesively works. 
Yeah, it does. It's perfect. It's perfect. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm getting no complaints whatsoever. Zero. Zero complaints um, with this movie. So from that gem of a moment, we cut back to the backyard. And Gorman has now turned Alistair into a giant brain with eyes and tentacles. Yep. Welcome. To Mom your, freaks out. Welcome to your new life. <laughs> oh, my God. Mom comes out, sees what's happened. Mom comes out, has a baseball bat, <laughs> and smashes the baseball bat on Gorman, and it breaks, and it does nothing. And Gorman, like, laughs it off. Then the dad runs out, and he goes, my lucky bat. <laughs> jumps over alistair doesn't even pay attention to her yeah uh, no jumps over the brain the giant the brain. brain alistair just jumps over him doesn't give a shit about him he only cares about his bat alistair is now a giant brain with tentacles yep poor kid poor kid parents are freaking out garmin's about to attack them and the mimi stops she introduces her parents to her new best pal psycho gorman pg PG for short. Gorman wants to kill him, but Mimi's like, he's just a big softy. And, and then Gorman keeps saying, I will kill you. I will kill you. Yeah. I will kill over and over again. Yeah, as they're like, and of course, like the dad, Greg, is hiding behind the mom on the ground. Like they're both on the ground, but he put Susan like in front of him. He is such a cowardly piece of shit but this, this scene and this scene's like the main one that was in the trailers and everything but it really works because you know Mimi's trying to reassure them Gorman is being some Gorman and they're just like how do I process all of this there's just all this chaos going on and and yeah I will kill you I will kill you and what happens next you cut to Mimi in the garage jamming with Luke on guitar uh, Gorman on drums and Alistair on the keys. Why not? Fuck it. Let's put a montage right now. Yeah. Yep. And I, I mean, and here's the thing. Like, like the fact that like right when it happened, I was like, yep, I got no problems with this. I am on board. Like that tells you right there. Like I was on board fully, you know, for the full experience. Didn't care where it was going or whatever. It was just like, yep, here comes the music montage right now. And guess what? I fucking love it. I love it because uh, Mimi's on vocals. I'm the heckin' best. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Frig all the rest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm, I wrote fucking montage. Yeah, dude. Frig off. Frig off. Frig yourself. <laughs> and it's a cool-ass song. Like, it's it great. Is. And then she sings it, like, later, like, a cappella and everything. It's, oh, it's, it's yeah. awesome. I love this song so much. Now, apparently, I, I think the... The original incepted idea that that uh, Stephen Costanzi talks about on the um, documentary uh, or the making of thing is that his his first thought of of a, his first idea for PG Gorman was this idea of a creature thing sitting behind a drum set not knowing how to use it and he's like I've been he was trying to figure out how to incorporate that into something and then uh, apparently after uh, Leprechaun he he was took some time off he was like I think he said he was watching Rawhead Rex and it all sort of like merged and started coalescing in his head and everything but apparently this movie has a, a owes a lot to uh, Rawhead Rex as well and, uh, and, and he was just like that was like a silly name like why would you name something that like you know what i mean and uh yeah 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 i've only seen rawhead rex once by the way i haven't seen yeah i haven't seen it since uh 
I think it came out in a video. I, and I think that's when I like mid nineties, early nineties or something like that. Yeah. It's been but a while. I remember while. the mouth being big and that yeah. makes kind of sense with something that's about to come up in a, of, in a, of in course. a few minutes. Of course. Um, for sure. Yeah. But, but during this montage, it's so great because, uh, this girl's like, they, they, they take, they take Gorman on the street. They take him, they dress him up. They're taking him costume shopping. Uh, everybody's laughing. The parents are all jazzed. They're walking down the street and some little girl's like, Hey asshole, nice costume. And he looks over at the girl on a bike and he blows her up. He just blows her up. And she's like, and, she's uh, like 12 too. I'm like, yeah. Holy crap. And I'm like, shocking. Great. Shocked. That's awesome. And then you cut to, uh, the, back of their house and during this montage and Greg is stealing cookies from the bake sale cookies. And they like Mimi pokes her head out. Mom pokes her head out of the kitchen and Gorman steps out and does a spell where hands come out through the, the cookie box and like pull his face into it's, the box. It's so like, crazy. it's, it's like a rated R, like it's like a demented, like double mint gum ad in some points, you know, like it, it's supposed to be cheesy, like a Mentos thing. Like they're poking their head out, but then, but then Gorman is always Gorman. That's what makes it funny. Like he's, he's always the same. He's always, he doesn't, doesn't totally want to be doing what he's doing, but he has to, you know? Yeah. And he never smiles, no. or, you know, breaks character or anything like that. No, it's and, hilarious. It's fucking hilarious. It's, it works. It never doesn't work. Yeah, and Mimi's getting everything she wants. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Luke's being terrorized. Luke is against the lock, uh, against the garage, and and she's throwing basketballs at him. And then eventually, uh, Gorman turns a basketball into his head and throws it at Luke. It goes through the garage, and it ends up hitting, uh, bouncing off the walls in the living room where Dad's watching TV, and it smashes his TV, and he cowers like he. It looks like he pisses his pants practically. He's like cowering in the corner, like, ah, ah, and the camera just stays on him for a minute, cowering. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where like the, it goes on like uh, it, not too long in, in in a bad way, but too long and like it becomes uncomfortable because like you really see the effects on on dad, and you know I, if he has PTSD from from being in Afghanistan, um, then I would say that's probably pretty accurate. But yeah. After it goes through the walls, he's just sitting there like, what the fuck, man? Like, he's just so freaked it's out. So but it's great. like, it's one of those things where like, it's like 30 seconds longer than it should be. But but therein lies the genius of of the humor in it, you know? It's great. That's the shit I love. Me I too. love all that stuff. Yeah, me too. It's, it's, it's a bit, it is a bit brule-ish, check it out-ish, you know? Yeah, that's, yeah. Yeah, you, you're picking up what I'm putting down. Yeah, buddy. Yeah, buddy. You know it. From there, we cut to... After the montage is over, we cut to Lester D's Real Diner, which I think is a real diner up in Canada. Um, on the Psycho Gorman Facebook page, they posted some pictures of this diner. I think it's a legit place uh, because they've got Psycho Gorman, you know, those glass mugs you would get from Burger King back in the day. <laughs> yeah. they, they made those for Psycho Gorman. That's so uh, awesome. Fucking awesome. Friggin' awesome. Anyways, um, it, it's, it's Gorman, Mimi, and Luke uh having lunch and Mimi's like running down their whole schedule of activities that they're going to do all the fun things they're going to do as Gorman like picks up all his food on a plate and just like in his his jaw just drops open really deep it reminded me 
of the vampires in Blade 2. Ah, <laughs> speaking which, of, of you knowing exactly what I'm thinking, if you weren't going to say that, that's exactly what I was going to say. Well, there you go, because we share the same brain, different <laughs> peen. Um, yeah, it looks exactly like that to me, too. So it uh, opens up and, like, destroy, eats the plate, eats the burrito or whatever sandwich it was, everything. Um, and Luke's, Luke's like, oh, I wish I had a, I wish my mouth could do that. <laughs> and I, he's got like, and he's got like a freaking French fry hanging off of his face. Psycho Gorman does like, it's, <laughs> it's great. He's just sitting there with like a bunch of shit all over his face. And Luke's like, what do you eat at? What do you eat at home PG? And he goes, food is an honor code to be eaten is considered a warrior's death. And he flashed back to battle. And, and as soon as they do, Mimi cuts it off and she's like, uh, anyway, she tries to go back into their schedule <laughs> and she tries to steal Luke's food. Uh, and she's like, goes to take his fries and Luke's like, Hey, no. And she's like, uh, they're mine. She gets all cocky and Luke looks annoyed at her and Gorman looks annoyed at her because they're both like, it's all about Mimi. Mimi's getting whatever mm-hmm. the fuck she wants. Yeah. Uh, cut from there in Mimi's room at night. <laughs> And it's like a Gorman's just in the corner standing there because you he's like the know giant that doll. she made him do that. Yeah, yeah. He he looks like the giant teddy bear you win at the fair, you know, and she has him in the corner just standing there. And he's so just not impressed either. He's and he's so defeated. He's, like, he's like, so defeated. <laughs> this is what my life has become. Uh, he uh, Psycho Gorman has some fantastic fml faces in this movie and right here is just pure fml fuck my life (laughs) totally totally and then you cut from uh, mimi sleeping to luke in bed and suddenly he's having a bad dream he like goes into this weird warped out dream and he's lying in his bed but it's in a cemetery with zombies coming out of the ground does that remind you of anything i was gonna say so is this a phantasm reference phantasm and even more to the point when gorman comes out of nowhere he goes hello boy oh i didn't even notice the boy part okay yep then yeah full-on phantasm reference also calls him boy because he forgets what luke's name oh my dude bro bro i was gonna get to that when when he says it later but that one of my one of my favorite ongoing gags running bits in this thing is one how much psycho gorman hates luke and two just him not remembering his name luke's like dude you should know my name you know <laughs> poor luke psycho gorman doesn't give a shit don't know does not give a shit at all and um, after after Gorman shows up, he reveals that Luke has entered the nightmare realm. It is here where I'm able to communicate with you privately. And he wants Luke to get the gem so he can be free. And Luke says, I can't. Mimi found it. Finders keepers. That's the law. <laughs> and Gorman says, sooner or later, it'll be... Something about like her her little terrors will add up or something. Yeah, yeah, he's like, yeah. Sooner or later, her terrors will add up. Help me now, and I might consider sparing your life. And Gorman says, "How long before she puts her life before yours?" And Luke doesn't. Luke's like, "I don't. I'm not going to betray my sister," which is cool, you know. Mm-hmm. Give me the gem so we can both be free of this madness. Luke's like, "So what happens now?" 
Yeah, because he, yeah, because he, yeah, because Psycho Gorman eventually relents and he's like, ah, you're, you are strong. Like he, he's a smidge impressed, not enough to, to remember Luke's name, you know what I mean? But yeah. he's like, okay, he's like, okay, I'm not going to be able to get to you. And yeah, That's Luke's right. like, so what happens now? He's like, well, we wait till your dream ends. And then the camera just fucking pulls back. The zombies never reach Luke, you know, they're like they're just crawling constantly. And so Luke, I just love how Luke's like, okay. And he just sits there just kind of looking around. He's not really scared. He's just like, okay, kind of bored and psycho gorman's just standing there because yep we just gotta wait gotta wait till the yeah. dream's over buddy <laughs> yeah i love that i i fucking love that scene because i'm like yeah just sit on this site sit on this phantasm homage shot i love this i love this so much you too dude i i fucking loved it again you, you don't know where they're gonna go and then when nope. you think you know where they're gonna go it still doesn't go where you think it's gonna go. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I, I didn't think the scene was just gonna end with the zombies just perpetually crawling and Psycho Gorman just standing there. Like, you know, yeah. it's just, it's so good, dude. He, the expectations, he he does a good job. Uh, uh, Steven Kostansky does a good job of really just messing with your expectations of what you're gonna expect from a scene and then flipping it on its, its head. And he makes the, the more fun choice every time. It's always... The fun choice, and and that's Every why time. this movie is nonstop fun. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, and it's gonna get a lot more fun in just a second now because we cut to the next morning, and Gorman, Mimi, and Luke are on a playground with Alistair, and Gorman's wearing a cowboy hat, cowboy outfit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I cowboy. Love it. I love his cowboy hat. <laughs> and uh, and they're on the playground, and Mimi's explaining Crazy Ball. They're gonna play Crazy Ball. And it's so convoluted. It's so over the top. There's so many rules. And Gorman, like, looks so out to lunch. Like, I don't know what the fuck is going on. And well, he, well, he actually says that after she's over with everything. <laughs> he looks over to Alistair. He goes, I have no idea what they're talking about. Do you? <laughs> and, and the big brain is like. <laughs> yeah. And then the cops roll up, <laughs> like guns blazing. They get out of the cop car and they start shooting at Gorman and <laughs> hold on I, I do like the cops like one of them says like he goes uh, uh remember your training the other one the one that gets turned into bio cop says there's no time shoot there's no time to remember your training that is like I mean that is straight up comedy writing gold right there <laughs> yeah totally dude and did you notice so psycho gorman's deflecting the bullets and then he looks back and he's like i should have let one of them hit you but i yeah. i I'm, <laughs> yeah. but i'm wondering if this was the first moment that he was starting to care a little bit you know like like even he didn't realize it like like he was blocking them and sort of defending them but he didn't realize that he was doing that do you know what i mean yeah that's a good point that's a good point yeah i could see that okay. i could see that yeah 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 that, no, that's really that's really funny <laughs> yeah these two cops are uh not everything they do doesn't do shit to gorman and he there's one cop that's kind of pretty far. He's kind of far away from him, but the other cop, Vince, is like super close to him, and he grabs the cop's hand, which has the gun in it, and like tentacles come out, and it's disgusting. He turns the cop into a meat puppet, basically. He turns the cop into to bio cop, yeah, basically. Bio cop, but yeah, yeah, he's like a. It's a. It's very much uh, like akin to. 
the incredible melting man look, you know, like oh, yeah, his whole head so is disturbing. melted and everything. It's it's grotesque, but it's also what they do with with Biocop is hilarious, you know, but but it's it's mo- it's hilarious because of how grotesque it is. It's hilarious, but it's really hard to watch. It is. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. It's really disturbing. And he's like, you know, he's yeah, just he's at doing this the point. shit from uh, your your boy in RoboCop. Uh, you know, yeah, Emil. Yeah, he's he looks like fucking Emil before he gets exploded Ooh. by it's, it Clarence is really Boddicker's hard to watch. car. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really disturbing. It, it is. It, it's probably to me like the most disturbing effect in the movie. Agreed. Um, Agreed. But I still love it. I me still too. love it. Me too. And you know and what? Then, you can you, you can love things that disturb you, but it is. Oh. I was I'm with you on that. I was like I didn't I was like I didn't feel like that this cop deserved that sort of treatment, but I mean, you know, again, but I enjoyed it, you know. He, he gets, it all gets worked out in a bit. It so, does sort of, <laughs> I guess. Um Sort of. And so I love this because the other cop, the, the other cop goes to get in the cop car to drive away. Because well, yeah, like Gorman him. tells him, tell them all I'm coming here type of thing. That's right. <laughs> and then he goes, Vince. He realizes Vince has the keys. He's like, Vince, give me the keys. He yells at Vince to give them. And Vince is like, whoa. <laughs> and the cop just runs off screaming. <laughs> Vince, give me the keys. It's okay. And Vince is just like, brah, 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 brah. He's just like, he's so, and man, the guy who's playing Vince slash Biocop, like, ah, oh, the, the body work that he's doing is fantastic. It's fantastic. And what, what does Gorman do? He brings Vince over to join in the game. Yeah, he's, he's like, he tells Mimi, he's like, look, I got one more for you. <laughs> yeah. And Luke is like in shock at this point. And Mimi like looks shocked at first too. But then she just goes back to explaining the rules of the game. Sure. And she, as she's explaining it, she asks uh, Biocop if, she, if he gets it. He shakes his head. Yes. But I love how like PG's like, he doesn't understand. He's just telling you what he wants you, what you want to hear. <laughs> I love how Peachy had to explain that to her. Right? It's so great. He couldn't so let great. that go. He's like, I have to tell him. I can't. It's so good. The game sucks. Crazy Ball is, it sucks. It's No No one understands how to play it. No. It, no and I'm realizing but... now, Mimi's the one who came up with all the rules, I think. Yeah, yeah. Which is why Luke always loses at Crazy Ball. Of course. You know? Of course. Um, And so, so Alistair, like, starts to waddle off at this point into, like, the forest behind them he's like starting to waddle off and mimi like walks over to uh, walks over to alistair and goes you okay buddy <laughs> and alistair says uh do you think i'll ever be normal again <laughs> and mimi goes probably not <laughs> and he goes oh okay <laughs> and he waddles off <laughs> and she kisses him it's great yeah it's fucking great God. and after that this this cuts to them being uh, Mimi, Luke, Biocop, and Gorman in the forest. And she's teaching him about the F word. Like, ah, oh, you know, you, you, you hit your toe, you go, friggin' toe. You go, or you could say, what the frig? <laughs> when, when someone cuts you off, you say, frig off. <laughs> or no, if you want to tell someone off, you say, frig off. And, and, you and after figure, that, like, like- Vince... And like Biocop's like walking like he, he he's all stiff. He's like very jerky. He's like walking into things, but he's also like blah, 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 blah. And he fires his gun off at yeah. one point. Yeah, because like his gun is still loaded, but it's attached to his hand. It's like melted into his hand, so it just it like randomly goes off and like Luke jumps and everything. It's hilarious. Yeah. And we're and and 
like I assume this is the same day, but uh, but what happens next tells me it might be the next day because what the cop ends up the cop gives Mimi this wet Valentine heart <laughs> and she opens it up and it says please kill me. Please kill she me. goes she's all pissed. She's like that's not a Valentine. <laughs> <laughs> and then he tries to fucking shoot himself in the head and it did like just the bullet goes through his head and didn't kill him he's like ah! nope. and he's always like ah! <laughs> it's great and I, I i think it's the same day i think it's the same walk i think yeah i know how did he Something make that silly. but yeah i think it's like it just it's, it's it was just a, like a cartoony thing you know what i mean yeah. but i think it's still the same sort of afternoon oh it's still gold. it's great I it's, love it. it's great i love biocop bro <laughs> And so now Gorman's like asks he he asks what love is what is love and Luke explains love to him and that's at the point when Vince tries to blow his brains out <laughs> and and then Luke starts teasing Mimi about being in love with Alistair and then Mimi gets super angry and she tells Gorman you know to kill Luke and then Gorman starts choking Luke and Mimi says, stop, stop, just kidding. <laughs> this was the one moment in the movie where I'm like, you are pure evil, you little shit. Yeah, I mean, and, and obviously that's on purpose because this is going to start where, where Luke sort of, you know, switches in his head. Where he's like, yeah, maybe Psycho Gorman was right when he came to me in my dreams and, and said that she's going to be, uh, her little terrors are eventually going to get me killed, basically. So... Yeah, it sucked, but at the same time, it's also pretty realistic. I imagine you understand. You you were a teacher. People, kids, when they're that young, they can. I mean, they can do some horrible things. They're still learning and everything, you know. Well, especially now that she has all this power, she can do whatever. She, it's going to her head. Exactly. Which, it it totally makes sense. Mm-hmm. Hey, everybody, Corey here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to our interview with Steve Kostansky, the director of Psycho Gorman and co-director of The Void, now exclusively on our Patreon page. That's patreon.com slash podcasting after dark. Along with the Steve Kostansky interview, we also talked to Tom Matthews from Return of the Living Dead in Friday the 13th, Stephen Jeffries from Fright Night, Tony Timpone, the longtime Fangoria editor, Diane Franklin from Terror Vision, Brian Usna, the director of Return of the Living Dead Part 3, Jeanette Goldstein, played Vasquez in Aliens, as well as Mark Ralston, who played Drake in Aliens, John Philbin from The New Kids, Fright Night director Tom Holland, as well as Billy Cole, Jonathan Stark, and composer Richard Band, and also William Sadler, with many more to come. So please check us out on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash podcasting after dark. And we appreciate all of our supporters. Thank you so much. You are the reason we can keep this show going. So thank you. And now back to Psycho Gorman. At this point, Gorman tries to grab the gem. (laughs) Seems so close. He was so close. So close. And she's like, ha. She goes, well, just for that, you'll pull the wagon. And so she makes Gorman pull the wagon with the balls in it. And Luke is like looking worried. Cut to the police station. uh, And outside the police station, a beam of light shoots down from the sky. And it's the Templar Templar who's uh, now like disguised as the girl that she killed, the woman she killed. And inside the station, they're like, 
randomly cutting a birthday cake and then uh cuts to the cop that survived and he's like freaking out and he's taught and this, uh, there's a police officer that's talking to him and looking the, and, very concerned and everything yeah, it's like seems kind of heartfelt um pandora enters the station she walks up to the nameless she walks up to the front desk and she goes i'm looking for a nameless a nameless hero who most likely slaughtered half your population by now and the front dirt the front desk clerk is like uh your description's a little vague <laughs> and the cow the cop in the back the scared cop is like i've seen him and she walks over well, to him. Well, he's like, he's like, that's exactly what, what killed Vince. And weren't you listening to what I said? And the, the reception cop who was at the beginning, he was like, no, I wasn't listening to anything he said. And then just turned around. <laughs> I'm like, all these cops, like, this is it. This is all you see of them. And they, the scene isn't, there are no bad scenes in this movie. Even a scene like this that could have just been like a normal cop scene is chock full of hilarity. And it's not at the expense of the cops either. No, it's really no. fucking. Uh, it's remarkable how how every how good every scene is. You know. Yeah, it really is. Cause cause yeah, the dude like goes back to pl- <laughs> like his computer that the screen is off. Well, or, see, yeah, he's like he's like creating like a necklace of like of 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 <laughs> yes. paper clips or something. He's a cop. Yeah. He's not. Doing Meanwhile, it. the cop has like a long ass beard and a ponytail, yeah. and it's like yeah. you're not a cop, dude. <laughs> But it's but that's what I love about it. It's mm-hmm. so random. Um, the Pandora puts her hands on the head of the cop and says, I must find him. Give me everything. And then at this point, she looks like she's going to make the dude's head explode because he's like withering in pain. Yeah. And his head is like pulsing. Yeah. Lights uh, coming like out of his and eyes forth. and his mouth and yeah, shit. It's yeah, really it's crazy. Weird. We got back to the forest and Gorman says, I sense something coming. <laughs> and Mimi says, what you got a dump? <laughs> I saw. That. I didn't pick up on that the first time I watched it. But the second time I watched, it, I was like, "That's good. I like that one." <laughs> I feel something coming. We got a dump. What do you got a dump? <laughs> and suddenly, lightning shoots down from the sky, revealing the paladins. Mm-hmm. They're cool as shit. So cool. They're all so unique looking, and they and one of them welcomes Gorman back to the living. Dark scream, right? Which is very similar to Starscream. Yeah, and yeah, mm-hmm. we'll, get, and to we'll in, get to that in a second. Why I think that that's on purpose. And Mimi wants to be introduced to Psycho Gorman's friends. <laughs> he goes, "This is Mimi and her brother." And he goes, "It's Luke. You should know my name by <laughs> you now." Should know my name by now, <laughs> dude. This was the second moment that I fell in love with this movie when Psycho Gorman didn't know Luke's name. I was like, this is fucking genius, man. <laughs> this, this humor's right up my alley, bro. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Ditto. Clearly. And Gorman's like, uh, you know, Mimi, Mimi has the gem but doesn't know how to use it. You may kill them now. And suddenly they laugh. Like all the the paladins laugh, and Mimi and Luke look shocked. And Dark Dark Scream says, "Why would we do that?" And then like this random robots like giggling, and she goes, and it says, "We like things the way they are now." And they want they want they basically say they wanted him imprisoned. Yeah, because because now they're all ruling equally. It's 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 funny how. 
like they're now a democratic little little team without without Gorman there. And then Dark yeah. Dark's uh, screams like, "See, and I'm leader right now." Like, but it's gonna go to somebody else because that's what they've all agreed on, and it's it's kind of interesting. Uh, but. So obviously, Dark Scream, I assume, is a very—it's a reference to Star Scream and how Star is always trying to to take over Megatron's, you know, role and everything as the leader of the Decepticons, right? So, Dark Scream is is a reference to Star Scream, essentially. Yep, even wearing that crown yep. in Transformers the movie, yep. which looks very similar. Yep, you know, shape wise. I I uh, didn't. I, that was not lost on me either, my friend. Yeah, of course it wasn't. It's it's brilliant. I love it. So all the paladins, the the six of them, um, go to attack Gorman. Gorman's like getting ready to attack them. But then as he's getting ready to strike, Mimi stops him with her gem. The paladins are like watching what's happening because she's pissed off at Gorman. She's pissed off because, yeah, he was he was going to turn on her. Yeah. And so now all the paladins are beating up on Gorman. The this one random robot starts like spraying blood all over Gorman. Even Biocop, I think, is kicking him too. Yeah, yeah, Biocop's in there kit now. He's because he wants his revenge. And Luke asks, uh, you know, how long is this going to go on for? And Mimi tells Gorman to apologize. And Gorman's like, I'm not going to apologize. We, I do not apologize. I do not say I'm sorry. It goes against everything I stand for. Right. And he finally, he finally does. And uh. <laughs> and I love that because she's like, because I don't know if you really meant that. And and, and then he finally does say he saw, he finally does say he's sorry. A very sincere that, apology. Very sincere. And then Mimi just lets him. Sl- I wrote he sl- slay the frig out of all the paladins. She just she one, unleashes the beast one creature at a time. Um, one creature starts to almost rip his head off. At this, at one point. Oh yeah, the the witch really lady. Close. Yeah, like like the his head actually came off almost off of his body, and he put it pushed it back on. Yeah, yeah, but he recovers and he destroys her. He decapitates her, and then or he like turns her into like a head, a shrunken head. And just, yeah, and just throws her away. The witch master asks for help, <laughs> yeah. and Mimi says, "No way, lady! You chose this," and kicks her head, <laughs> and then. Vince, he battles Vince and like sticks these like sticks stuff in his eyes. Oh, it's um, it was the Witchmaster's um uh, staff that he broke in half. He shoved it in Biocop's eyes and melt basically melts him. And then another one has like a rose inside her body. Pulls this beautiful rose out and smells it. And after the rose is removed, she basically explodes too. <laughs> yeah, but the robot um, guy, he gets him the best. Yeah, Cassius 3000 is and, great. And by the way, Cassius 3000 was played by another Astron 6 alumni. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, Cassius 3000, uh, it gets forced to look at himself uh, in this ripple of water, which, you know, you, th- your darkest fears are revealed in this water, which is yourself, and it like, rips his face off. That's great. It's amazing. It's awesome. And then Dark Scream gets quite possibly the 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 most uh vile death he gets a warrior's death of being eaten and mimi's like loving it luke's totally grossed out wants to go home and gorman collapses after that mimi rushes over to him she's like what's wrong he's like i'm dying and he he's been cut and he the and he says uh i've been cut and 
their blood was infected with mine. Their blood has been cursed and it's mixed with mine, basically. Yeah, he's he's really fucked up for the for the first time in the, the movie. He's really fucked up. Yes. Now we cut back. Totally deviate. We cut back to Mimi and Luke's house, and Dad's watching TV. Susan walks in. She's like, "What's this all about?" He's watching TV on this big ass TV, bigger than the one they had before. Yeah. yeah. And he goes, "I I bought a new TV." And, oh, and I'm going to take a few weeks off from work. So uh, you're going to need to pick up a few extra shifts at the pharmacy to pay for the TV. What an asshole. And the, Susan goes, no. And she slaps the remote out of his hand. And he goes, hey, what the frig? I love that. And she calls him lazy. And he gets really pissed. He gets up. He gets up. And he goes, how dare you? He goes, you know how much I hate that word. My parents used it. My teachers used it. And now you? You're just lazy. You're just lazy, Greg. That's why they call you lazy, because you are lazy. They start arguing that Greg doesn't do shit in the house. And then Greg gets defensive, and he's like, Susan goes, oh, yeah? What do you do? And Greg just stands there, and he doesn't say shit. He doesn't say anything. Then it immediately cuts to Greg sitting on the toilet arguing with himself. <laughs> you think you're friggin' better than me, huh? <laughs> I have a BA in English. What have you done with your life? And he's on the can. He like smacks the toilet paper and like it's all spinning around and everything. He's yeah, he's having a moment. He's having a whole I have a moment. BA in English. <laughs> <laughs> and then suddenly a weird light kind of enters the bathroom, almost like a it's- it's kind of it's kind of cute it's kind of nice it's like got a little tinkle sound to yeah. it you know like you you think it's gonna be all sweet and nice and greg's like oh that's that's real pretty what is that zach what is that <laughs> so i'll tell you i was watching i'm breaking this movie down while Kristen is working right and we're, we're I'm, she's downstairs i'm upstairs and uh, she's like, I'm going to have a work call in a minute. And I said, okay, <laughs> yeah, is the sure, sound sure. level okay? She goes, yeah. And it's pretty low. Yeah. And suddenly there, she's on a conference call with her coworkers. And out of nowhere, you just hear, <laughs> <laughs> Gorman's face pops up out of this little Tinkerbell thing, scares the shit out of Greg. Because I mean, Greg reaches out to touch it at one point. Well, I mean, like, like light is shooting out of, of Psycho Gorman's eyes. It's, it's like, it's intense. He, like, he can, like, you get the sense that Psycho Gorman can only do this by screaming. So, like, he's like, we need your help. Come well, get yeah, us. He says, and he's like, he says, but it's like, and then you cut to the picture of, like, of, of, uh, of, of Greg on the can. And it's just like, you know, the wind is, like, blowing his face face back he's like screaming this is my favorite scene in the entire fucking movie bro he because yes gorman's like find me or you'll all die (laughs) and then greg is still freaking out pulls his pants up tries to pull his pants up but falls into the bathtub to the toilet and he's like and then the head goes frig the head goes away it disappears and he's like what the frig and then it's like there's like a beat and he's like I don't even know where to go. And then the head appears again. I'm at the corner of the- <laughs> Yeah. I'm near the, the ravine near Highway 11. <laughs> I love that Psycho Gorman has to come back. He has he to come leaves. back. He leaves again. And he goes, 
I don't know where that is. But then he comes back and <laughs> And every time he, he has to scream every time. He has to be like <laughs> I'm like Oh shit, guys, I am fucking crying. This was my favorite scene in the whole movie. I did not see this coming and ever and, and I've seen this movie twice now and I fucking died both times. It's awesome. This scene is awesome. It's so great. It's so, and I love that it goes on for like two more acts, you know? Yeah. Oh, it's so good. So good. And then from there, we cut to dad helping Gorman in the truck in the forest. Right. And I love this because he's selling his hand injury. Like he held, he's like wincing, you know, he's helping Gorman in the truck. He's like, oh, oh, ah, ooh, with his hand, right? And then he looks, the dad looks at Gorman and he goes, do you think I'm lazy? (laughs) Even more so, I like like the fact he goes, PG, do you think I'm lazy? Like he addresses him by the name, you know? And I love that because Gorman's like dying in the backseat or back at the bed of the truck. Uh, Mimi's like, I'm going to put the wagon back here. Okay. Okay. And she like shoves it next to him. And this is like, this is another great FML face that Psycho Gorman does. Like, how did like, I get myself into this, dude? <laughs> yeah. And then, De- and then Greg's, yeah. You think I'm PG? You think I'm lazy? He's <laughs> just like, fucking PG. He didn't even respond. It's like a Gorman's just like, fuck my life, man. And I love this because there's a callback to the earlier scene because now the Wishmaster's head, the uh, the Witchmaster, it's rolled into the street and it's like cackling like i've i've lived i've i've made it i've i've I'm survived and the truck runs over the head and crushes that it ex- like a grapefruit yep explodes it it's great and i love the fact that like her name is Witchmaster instead of Wishmaster. Um, yes. I wanted to write down all the different names, but they they had they do have some cool names of all the creatures. I mean, it's very clever, very clever naming structure. Yeah, he's got again, it's all original. Cassius 3000 reminded me a little bit of that movie Heartbeats. Heartbeats with um Andy Kaufman mm. back in the day. It's a it's an 80s movie. It's the 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 effects were killer. This uh Madeline Kahn is in it, I think. Anyways, Andy Kaufman is like the lead actor. It's Heartbeeps. It's such a cool flick. It's very underrated, hard to find. I'm sure Kostansky had a little bit of <laughs> Anyways, they uh they drive home and Susan's in the front yard with Pandora. And they pull up and mom tells the kids to get inside. Mom says, kids get inside. And PG knows it's Pandora. And he tells her to reveal her true self so they know who was going to enslave them into endless servitude. <laughs> Craig and goes, endless goes, servitude? Sounds like being married to you, Susan. It's like, <laughs> damn. And she says, Greg, shut up and get out of the truck. And, and Mimi doesn't want to. She's like, no. And Pandora tells her to. Pandora's like, you need to come in. You need. She doesn't say it in a real jerk way but she tells Mimi that she needs to get out of the truck and get over to where they are and Mimi gets pissed and she goes you don't talk to me like that like all raged out yeah and Mimi wants Luke no sorry she threatens Luke and then Luke says enough I'm not going to and she goes fine then you're out of the band she kicks him out of the band and then Susan cuts it cuts back to Susan and says she says to Greg 
Greg, for once in your lazy life, can you just come inside? You don't have to do anything. Just yeah, basically just, get out of your car. Anything. And Greg says, oh, yeah? How's this for lazy? Because at this point, Luke has already gotten out of the truck. So Luke, uh, so Luke's gotten out of the truck, and Greg starts up the truck, and he drives away. With yeah, with Mimi, and this is where with I was like, Mimi okay, I like the fact that that the dad and Mimi have like this relationship that's different than the mom and Mimi have, you know. Which what's funny about this is after as they drive away, he high fives Mimi with his bad hand and doesn't even wince. Yeah, of and course. I'm like you are a little bitch, you <laughs> selling this shit. And as they drive off, what do you hear? Bye. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. <laughs> so good. Pandora says Gorman must be stopped before he can regenerate. You cut to the shoe factory now. Gorman's resting on a couch, dying. He's like cuddled up with blankets and he's got a blanket around his head. And uh, and he says, there's only one remedy. Mimi, you must give me the gem. And Mimi's like kind of torn. What do I do? What do I do? And she goes, Dad, what do I do? And Dad takes Mimi aside, another gold moment, takes Mimi aside to discuss. He's like, why don't we go over here to talk about this? So they walk away from Gorman. And he says, Mimi, I'm not a good dad. I'm a smart dad. I'm a smart dad. But I've got some dad wisdom. And he tells her a story about being a kid, seeing a weird guy in a van outside of school. And the guy asked if he wanted to see his baseball cards. And I said yes. And I went into the van. And you know what he did? He showed me his giant collection of baseball cards. He had a lot of I had a lot of fun. And I'm thankful that I put my trust in that creepy weirdo. <laughs> he says I he basically says he thinks Mimi should trust her weird, creepy friend too. Mimi's like, I gotta go think about this privately. And she goes and leaves. Cut back to Mimi and Luke's home and Pandora is in the kitchen with Luke and Susan and she's got these three color vials, a green one, a blue one, and a purple one. And she's pouring them into this glass of water. And Pandora says, you know, your partner made a bad choice. And she's starting to pour the vials into the water. And then she transforms into her true self. Yeah. And the mom is stoked. The mom is like, whoa, cool. I mean, she looks cool as shit. She does, and then she gives mom the colored water, and she tells her to drink to join Pandora and right the wrongs of the universe. And the mom's like, sounds good to me. Right. <laughs> and the mom drinks it, and she starts to turn into, and it cuts back to the galaxy committee, like, in space. <laughs> the the Phantom wa- Menace. Yes, the Phantom Menace, and they're watching on a monitor, and they say, it has begun, the fate of the universe rests in Pandora's hands. Then you cut back to the shoe factory and Mimi's in like the, the foreman's office and she's, there's a cross on the wall and she's looking at a cross in the shoe factory and she starts praying to it. She's like, I need advice. What sunglasses should I wear? <laughs> and, and she pulls out these sunglasses and she goes, trick question, the zebras. And she puts her zebra sunglasses on. And she goes, why am I even talking to you? There's a new god in town, and his name is Psycho Gorman, and he's coming for you, buddy. And she takes the crucifix off the wall, and she breaks it over her leg. That is some funny-ass shit, and if you're religious, you'd be shocked. If you're not, like me, 
You're just laughing your ass off. I I was like, at first I was like, wow, are we really getting like deep here in religion? Nope, nope, no, we're not. No, nope. we're not. <laughs> Cuts to Gorman on the couch. Dad's looking at the television. And he's like, this TV won't stop bleeding. <laughs> and, yeah, I love, and he delivered it. I love, he's like, well, this TV won't stop bleeding. Like, that's how he <laughs> yeah. delivered it. That's, I loved it. And and Mimi sits down next to Gorman and she makes a deal with him. She goes, she'll give, I'll give you the amulet if you don't kill, and I love this, if you don't kill my family. And he goes, I won't kill your family of idiots. <laughs> and then suddenly the dad's like, whoa, 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 whoa. And I wrote voice of reason because it is. He goes, what about everybody else on the planet? And Mimi goes, oh, yeah. Oops. Oops. <laughs> and the dad goes, oops is right. But he's waiting. He's waiting for Mimi to go, oh, yeah, and everyone else on the planet. But she, but she doesn't. She doesn't because she doesn't care. And you'll find out in the middle what happens. And she doesn't. And, you know, she can't. She's, like, kind of searching for the amulet or the, the, the gem in her bag and realizes it's not there. And I love this because the dad, after he, like, has this moment of, like, you didn't. You didn't talk about anybody else except for us. He just goes back to looking at the TV. Yeah, yeah. What does he care? <laughs> the door blasts open and it's Pandora. The mom walks in and she looks like a mech too, like She's, a Gundam wing or it, whatever. Yeah. And it's cool looking. She, she looks different, but it, but still the same different weapons on her and stuff is cool. But I liked how she couldn't walk well at first because she's still learning how to use her, like her mech body. <laughs> it's really and funny. Yeah. It's so cool. Great. But, but both designs, I, I liked both her and Pandora's design. Yeah, no, they both look so badass. So the, 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 again, the costumes are so phenomenal in this. Mm-hmm. And Luke has the gem in his hand. And then Mimi says, no one tells me what to do. Right. Cause that, that's the point where they're like, you know, the war is over or whatever. And she starts fighting with her mom. And I love this because because Greg goes, that's some good parenting right there. Wish I could help, but I'm just too damn lazy. And he starts eating like almonds or some shit like nuts. He's such a bastard. <laughs> and the mom marches up to the dad to attack. Gorman gets up and then suddenly Pandora, who's standing in the entrance of the factory, her wings turn into her sword, which is really badass. That's cool. That's and, so anime-esque. You know? so, yeah, so anime. And she starts to battle Gorman, but then she like covers him in some sort of like kind of weird bubble of energy, but like a like he can't move. Yeah, like a force field um, type of thing, yeah. Yeah, and it cuts up to the galaxy committee and they're watching on the monitor. And then um Susan's like shooting at Greg and and Greg offers to go. He's like, okay, fine. I'll go to therapy now, okay? <laughs> is, that, is that what you want? I'll do that if that's what you want. I mean, he's so, like, so sniveling, you know? And, and, she, and she starts choking him. And uh, and, the, and Mimi's beating up Luke. And she threatens to use... Uh, the Luke Destroyer use, or whatever on him. Yeah, like that, the, 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 the Luke killer. Yeah. <laughs> right? And... Uh, and then, and then Luke's like, you know, Dad's right. Humans are the real monsters. And then you cut back to Gorman and Pandora. And Gorman's like, if you're noble, you'll grant me one last request, a contest. And she agrees. And, and she's like, well, what is the contest? And he has Mimi decide what the contest is. And what is the contest that will decide 
all of humanity as we know it. Crazy ball. Crazy ball. Fuck yeah. Woo-hoo. Frig yeah. <laughs> Friggin' A. <laughs> I love this. They all set up for crazy ball. And they just, <laughs> it's so fucking bonkers. Because Pandora's like, what are we doing? Yeah, because, you know, there's, of course, another scene of them, of her explaining it a little bit. And just the, the parallel of, like, of Pandora not understanding it either, like the same as PG didn't understand it. It's it's good, and she's like, "Wait, what happens with the uh, the the switcheroo?" And she's like, "You should have been paying attention." And I just like yeah. I love how like Pandora like just puts her arms up. She's like, "What am I supposed to do here?" You know? Yeah, because it's a full on epic. It's a great uh, fight sequence, yeah, like battle yeah. sequence game. Oh. And then and, and yeah, then and then the full on crazy ball battle happens and i love the part where the dad where greg flips in and then throws and then flips back out it's and it's so good it's so good it's so good and it's clearly a stunt double but that's done on purpose yeah it's so fucking funny yeah but, but so friggin' funny but the one where where you actually do see adam brooks like like oh. straight there and then he kind of jumps out and it's like all in slow motion and by the way apparently they filmed this entire scene the the crazy ball the fight and everything in that warehouse in one day so they had to do every sh- uh, reaction shots fight shots wow, the, everything one that was must have been a long ass day i mean it's the whole thing's impressive yeah from beginning to end yep. zero complaints whatsoever yeah what i love about this this it goes on for a good couple of minutes and then the two balls get thrown, they hit, and there's the big switcheroo. But between Luke and, and Mimi. But so, again, I'm confused a little bit about this. I don't care. But I'm like, they come up and they battle each other. They're like, they're about to have the big switcheroo. And Mimi hits him in the stomach. And that's how it's determined that she's the winner. Well, that's always the winner. Like, when you get the switcheroo, whoever lands the first punch gets the points. Okay, okay, okay. That, that's okay, literally that how you do the switcheroo. You have yeah, to she nails punch him. the other person. She belts him in the stomach <laughs> like 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 he rises off the ground when she lands it right in his gut. I mean, she doesn't kill him, but it's it's a wild hit. No, it, it it's great. She 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 knocks it down on the ground and everybody's happy. Dad goes to high-five Gorman <laughs> and fucking gives him a compound fracture his bones now busted out of his arm <laughs> the same hand that was sprained quote-unquote well, earlier I mean, and, and you know like like yeah the, the the two minutes or so of the, of the crazy ball thing is great because mimi the dad and psycho gorman are all in one team so it's it's so good just watching the dad and psycho gorman working together <laughs> it's so great and then he fucking high fives them and he's the one that initiated it, and then he breaks his own wrist on PG's on, on hand. It's, it's like, it's, it's fucking, the, it's the only way that this scene could have ended. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. No, it's brilliant. It's brilliant. So now Pandora, you know, she's like, screw it. She's going to kill. Noise. <laughs> yeah, she's going to she's gonna kill Gorman anyways. But then Mimi gets in front of Gorman to stop her. And then the mom runs over and blocks Pandora. Luke has the gem in his hand and she's like, Luke, give me the gem, you know, and he, but he can't decide to give it to Mimi. He wants her to apologize for all the things she's done to him throughout the course of this movie, or maybe his entire life. 
But then she doesn't apologize. What she does do, she starts singing a cappella. I'm the heckin' best. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Frig all the rest. Yeah, yeah. And they all start singing. Dad, it, too. It's so Frig good. off. Frig, Frig off. off. Luke tosses the jab. Yeah, he gets into it. Luke's like, yeah. Yeah. I'm like, and I'm like, yeah, I'm like this, you frig off. I'm like, frig I'm yourself. into it, dude. Frig yourself. It <laughs> <laughs> oh, throws the gem to Mimi. Pandora changes Susan back. She's now covered in like spunk and K- all on the ground. KY jelly. <laughs> KY. And, uh, and then I love that she's on the ground and Greg comes over to her and, and he goes, oh, God. You, you need to take me to the hospital. <laughs> he tells her she's like, I mean, she's like all like, oh my god, like she just had an experience, and he's like, I, I you got to take me to the hospital. I got to go, Luke. <laughs> Luke, can you drive? <laughs> he only cares about. But I mean, he does have a compound fracture of his wrist. It's it's so gnarly, self-centered. It's, but come on, dude, that shit is gnarly. It is, but still, the fate of the world is about to go down right fate, now. Fate right? of the universe. Yes. Well, your wrist is important, too. So Pandora is about to, like, wreak havoc. But then PG interrupts. He fights Pandora. He rips bones out of her body. He starts, like, ripping, like, every bone from her body. It makes a sword out of her flesh and bones. So cool, dude. That's amazing. That was cool because he was like he was like shooting fire, really crafty, like you know, and 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 you know, grab stuff and all you know, all that kind of stuff, uh, breaking it off of her body and all that kind of stuff. I I loved it. I loved it. I love it too. Yeah, and and he's like, nothing will stand between me and my holy destiny. And then he tells her to frig off. <laughs> it's now. Did, did, is this when he saw the the ripped up hunky boys? Uh, I think at some point in here where where he he sees the magazine, he looks down and and it's like torn up, and he goes, "Not my hunky boys." And that's what kind of like I think that's what galvanizes him to to kind of rise up here. Uh, yeah, that's so. Yeah, they're they're battling, right? They're battling, and then Mimi cuts to Mimi and Luke and. She knocks on uh, on a counter or whatever. I'm sorry to him, and they hug, and then we go back to the battle ensuing because she said she's sorry. Like they're battling, and then suddenly, Gorman looks down and his magazines have been slashed up, and that's when he's like, "Not my hunky boys!" <laughs> so good. And he so shatters good. Pandora's sword, and Pandora says, "You don't know what you've done." The universe as you know it is finished. And then Mimi goes, thank you. (laughs) And Pandora wants to be finished. Gorman tells her his name. He says, I am Psycho Gorman. And she says, that's a beautiful name. I I love that. I love she says, that's a beautiful name. And I love how she's like, release me. I want to, you know, like be free and, you know, rest. And he goes, I've been to the afterlife. Fools like you were tortured the most. Like, or, you know, like, I love that. I was like, that's so fucking awesome that she's not even going to, like, have a reprieve in the afterlife. And then he says, you deserve a warrior's death. And we know what that means. And he starts to open up his jaws. And as they do, as, as he starts to open up his jaws, Mimi and Luke are like, ah, let's go, let's go, let's go. You don't want to see this. (laughs) And she's screaming. She's still alive. 
And Susan looks back and she goes, what is he doing? <laughs> and it cuts <laughs> to the family outside the factory. Dad stops them. And then Gorman walks out and Mimi says, well, what now? And Gorman says, now I will destroy everything. The age of chaos begins anew. And Mimi says, yes, and? And Gorman says, and I will spare your lives. And then he takes out the gem and he tosses it to Mimi. And he says, I don't need it anymore. I feel whole. Thanks to your family, I now know that true power comes from within. Power of love. (laughs) And he's going (laughs) to destroy the universe with the power of love. I was like, this is this is was the nail in the coffin. This was the third when I fell in love with this movie. I was like, love, the power of love will destroy everything. And I was like, everything. this is genius. This is absolutely genius. <laughs> genius. And at some point, he also still doesn't know Luke's name too. Yes. Yeah. He said he says goodbye to everyone. He's like goodbye, Mimi. Goodbye, Greg. Goodbye, Susan. Good. Goodbye, boy. <laughs> I love that that Psycho Goreman committed to the bit to the very end and still did not learn Luke's name because Luke is beneath him. Genius. And, and, and this is, I mean, it's like gold after gold after gold because after this, Mimi blows Gorman a kiss and then he catches it and he blows her one back. I mean, I can't. You can't. None of this would work on paper, but it all works on screen. No. It's amazing. No. He and then he steps. He opens up a portal, which is into another city, and he goes into the portal, and he immediately starts murdering everyone in the portal with the power of love. <laughs> oh my god! And then cuts back to Dad, Greg, and he's like, "We learned a lot today." And then suddenly he starts to pass out. Practically, <laughs> he just starts like having like he starts looking off into space and almost falls over. Yeah, and Susan's like, "Okay, let's go, let's go, let's go." And then from there, cuts to like a news station. Breaking news: purple, <laughs> naked purple. What is it? It's is a, it? It's, they, they call him like a giant naked purple guy destroying the city, <laughs> attacks the city. And then it's you. You realize you're in Alistair's home, and his Alistair's parents are serving dinner with him, and he's sitting with his family. This giant brain, gelatinous brain with tentacles. And they're just like having a normal meal, having a normal, like not even batting he, an eye. And his tentacles are like going everywhere. He can't grab the food or anything. No. They're just going everywhere. The dad looks dead inside. The mom, it's like so. It's that typical suburban, like no, they hate each other type of thing, <laughs> yeah. you know. And but yeah, no one cares. Alistair's still a brain, still a brain, and that's how the movie ends so far. Mm-hmm. Because they start cutting into this like Psycho Gorman metal song, which is so wicked cool. No, there's a rap. The Psycho Gorman. Oh no, that's after. That's after. Oh, okay, 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 yeah, yeah. So yeah, so the the metal song hits, and it's like this wicked metal song talking about Psycho Gorman, and then suddenly you cut back to the alien committee in space, and his name's Coratex. Yeah, Coratex is the guy's name. The the. The guy who was uh, getting choked out and kissing Pandora's boots. The, the most, like, vocal guy on the council. Yeah, and he pulls out, like, a, a, a an Earth 
six shooter. Yeah. Like little... Well, he goes, he goes, uh, he doesn't know how to find us, does he? And then everyone sort of like slowly looks at him. And yeah, that's when he's like, okay. He goes, luckily for Coraflax, uh, has a plan B in mind. And he fucking pulls out a fucking six shooter, like an earth, like a Saturday night special, like snubbed nose revolver. And he just goes, all right. Who wants to kill themselves first? Who wants to kill themselves there's like first? A, there's like a beat, you know, a wide-angle shot of the council. There's a beat, and then one of the the aliens, the robotic one with the, the jar head with the brain, just slowly lifts his arm, like, he raises his hand <laughs> like me, you know? And then, it, yeah. and then it kicks into a Psycho Gorman rap, and knowing it's that like this— It's like the Monster Squad rap. Yeah, and knowing right. that this movie's supposed to take place— in the early 90s, I was like, oh, my God, this is so fitting. This feels like a, like a, ra- yeah, like Monster Squad, like Ghostbusters 2, late yeah. 80s, early 90s. You would just have a fucking rap about your movie. People under the stairs at the yeah. end. There was a rap. Yeah. yeah. Dude, it's crazy. I was like, this thing just hits all the beats. And bada bing, bada boom, that's it. Yeah, speaking of rap, that's a rap on Psycho Goreman. Bro, I and think- it was- everything we wanted and more yeah dude like i think this was one of the most like jovial reviews we've ever done like we were both laughing the entire time i mean this tells you everything you need to know dude and 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 it's just what a blast this movie's a blast this movie's a blast talking about this movie's a blast watching this movie's a blast thinking about like i love every aspect of psycho gorman yeah it was it was T to B, end to end burner. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. It, I probably took more notes on this movie that I've taken in a really long time because it, it was essentially a comedy. Yeah. So there was a lot of dialogue to write down because I didn't want to miss anything. I didn't want to miss one moment. I it I paused so many scenes in this film because I'm like, I got to write that down. I got to write this down. It is so fantastic. It, our our review is not even doing it justice in my opinion because like I hope everyone who's listened to this has enjoyed it as much as we did breaking it down because this was a lot of fun it is endless fun and if Stephen Kostansky is listening to this you need to know that you created you made what we were hoping you'd make yeah in spades yeah it, it is it is everything we wanted in a movie like this yeah it truly is it truly is. I, I mean, I, it's everything that I ever wanted from like the Guyver movie that that was back in the day oh, yeah. and everything. Which ended you up know. being bad. Yeah, and, and and I know this is kind of like a love letter to that you know rubbery monster style movie of things, but this is just so much better than than the references. This is so much better than the source material, you know. And and I think, you know. I think it's going to live on. I think it's going to be a movie that will stand the test of time. That that's why we're reviewing it. We're we're no authority by any stretch of the imagination, but you know, Zach and I have both been looking watching movies for the better part of close to 45 years. I think we might have an idea of at least what we like to see, right? And so that well, can look. be extrapolated outwards and I think that this movie is going to have a long uh, shelf life. I think it's going to hold up for a long time because of the practical effects and the miniatures and everything. And I think this movie has a lot of heart and it had a lot to say too. All wrapped up in such a fun package. So yeah, 
yeah. it made it, it made some commentaries about religion, mm-hmm. about police officers. Like it it kind of very subtly and in a way that's not gonna offend more, it's just gonna make you laugh. No. But but this it does have things to say. And that's what's yeah. really fucking cool about it. So yeah, dude, I think I think this is a fantastic movie, and I think it'll maintain its awesomeness for years to come. And if you've made it this far, you've already seen it. We know that, and we hope that you had a blast having, you know, going down this adventure with us. And I just, I couldn't stop laughing. Like, I just, I I loved it. I love this discussion, bro. And that scene in the bathroom, oh, it's like O'Gorman's head. It's fucking genius, man. It's fucking genius, just like this entire fucking movie. There's not that many movies that I've seen in the last 20 years where I say, you know, like, oh, there's this one big moment in this movie that you got that you can't miss. Or, or there's two really cool scenes that you can't miss in this movie. This movie is like, oh, there's like countless scenes that you can't miss, you know, and it's so perfect. And I go back to Monster Squad because it just reminded me that Monster Squad was also 85 minutes long, super short. And that's all you need. And you cover every ground. It didn't feel too short. It didn't feel too long. It felt just right. And it it covered, like I said, like both of us have said, covered all of the bases and I think the reason why this movie is going to stand the test of time versus a Mortal Kombat or Wonder Woman 84 or Godzilla, and I only throw those out there because those have all come out around the same time, they don't have the heart that this did. This, this is like so filled with love. It's, it, didn't, it doesn't have a studio blueprint on it. Yeah. It doesn't. And in, in all the actors gave it their all. I mean, um, the the lead actress, Mimi, she's so good. She carried her scenes so damn well. There wasn't a moment where I'm like, oh, that's a child actor, not a very good child actor. Yeah, no, I, the, whole, the whole time I was like, oh, it's Mimi. It's just Mimi, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And, so and, and Luke was fantastic. Um, everybody in this movie is fantastic. Yeah, dude, yeah, I, I think that... This was infinitely better than it had any right to be, you know, on paper type of thing. But knowing the pedigree that was behind it, it makes sense that it turned out as well as it did. So, yeah, highly recommend it. And I I, I can't, you know what's funny? I mean, we've talked about it for twice as long as the movie actually is. Uh, I've seen it twice. I could watch it right now dude i could pop it in and just watch the entire yeah, thing too. and i could be entertained and enthralled the entire time so yeah so thank so you that, that's thank you steven kostansky thank you for giving us psycho Gorman, and thank you zach and dustin for giving us two dollar late fee <laughs> nice segue um, yeah, $2 late fee is, is, is firing on all cylinders. That's my, that's my sister wife to podcasting after dark. <laughs> and, uh, because it, this is Utah, right? Um, we have a lot of fun there. Eighties nostalgia. We take a movie. We, uh, don't break it down, but we talk about the movie. We talk about a song from that movie and the pop culture events that happened that year. The movie was released. Uh, the follow-up is always typically an interview with someone who starred in the movie or someone connected to the movie. So, for example, uh, for all you kind of coming-of-age-esque lovers of 80s movies, 
a little known movie called Shag came out uh, in the late 80s starring Bridget Fonda, Phoebe Cates, and Annabeth Gish. Actually very underrated. Uh, We're going to be covering that one and a song from that one because the follow-up to that will be an interview with Annabeth Gish. Annabeth Gish, uh, her resume's... It's sick. It's sick. She's it's, the it's Gish baby. Mystic Pizza, uh, Hiding Out, and uh, Shag were a few 80s flicks, but she was in X-Files. She was in Sons of Anarchy. She was in this uh, FX show called The Bridge, which was really good. A, a multitude of great projects, and she was an amazing interview. So we got that coming up down the pipe uh, for $2 Lay Fee. Nice. But, you know, uh, as good as $2 Lay Fee is, on the flip side, the flip tip, Corey's got Cut right. <laughs> Cut right. Cut right. <laughs> yeah. Me and uh, our pal Adam every week talking about Seinfeld. We are barreling our way to actually, you know what? The next episode we have to record is the 100th episode of Seinfeld, which is a clip wow. show. So we're going to do something different with it. Um, wow. But that means we've done like, you know, over 100 episodes because we've done like some wrap ups and stuff like that. And uh, we're having a good time. And we're also tackling Curb Your Enthusiasm as well. So I am just being fully indoctrinated into Larry David and, and Jerry Seinfeld, although I've always been a Seinfeld fan. So it's not really. Always. indoctrination it's more of like revisiting something that i absolutely uh adore and love and it's it's a fun thing it's 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 interesting because it's also an extension of what you and i did with john carpenter like it's it's really cool to like follow something so intensely you know what i mean whether it's a, a film auteur watching all their movies or like really watching a show you know like really paying attention to it and going through it i do think you get a lot more out of it and I always highly recommend whatever show that you like, you know, that you like to fall asleep to or whatever, go back and just really watch it at one point. I think it'd be a lot of fun to revisit things like that. But right now we're doing that with Seinfeld and uh, we got a lot of awesome things going on at the BFOP network. By the time you're listening to this, you have either already heard the uh, Mortal Kombat 2021 uh, roundtable discussion or... I didn't edit it yet, and you're going to be listening to it at the end after this episode. I don't know, because I'm talking about things in the future. But, Whoa. uh, woo. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you we like have a good... David Irons, mate. Hey, like exactly. Irons. Which, which, by the way, we're going to be talking to him tomorrow, you and I. We got something huge going on with our pal David Irons in the Irons. It's in the Irons, right? It's coming. It's coming in the future. So, uh, that's right. Good shit there. So, yeah, check us out. Check out all the shit we got going on on Patreon. Uh, shit ton of interviews. We got upcoming. We got uh, 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 Peter Jason and we got Sean Whalen. Uh, but right now, our big one out there is William William freaking Sadler. Check that yeah. one out on Patreon. And so you, good. I'm sure you've listened to the James Etock interview. Uh, we released that one for free last week. So I'm sure you've listened to that one already. But if you like that, that's what you can find on our Patreon. And we have about 20 I think interviews at this point, maybe 20, 20 plus or so. We got a lot. So check them out. Good conversations. Fantastic conversations. Right. Keep coming too. Okay. Keep coming. So you know what? As we always say, we'll catch you on the hunky side. Join the podcasting after dark Patreon community to unlock exclusive monthly content like cast interviews and a fan feedback show. 
Plus, you get every regular episode of Podcasting After Dark completely ad-free. You can also support the show by rating and reviewing us five stars on Apple Podcasts and by recommending us to your friends. Finally, make sure you follow us on Reddit, Instagram, and Facebook for news and updates about future episodes. Just search for Podcasting After Dark. Have you been wondering where's the beef? Well, on our podcast, Throwback Trivia Takedown, you might just find that out, as well as some other things about the 70s, 80s, and 90s. We're a nostalgic-based trivia show that pits two challengers head-to-head in a duel of the decades, with categories ranging from movies, TV and music, to slang, food, and fashion. You're sure to get the best in retro-themed trivia. So strap on your jelly shoes, grab a surge, and walk like an Egyptian to your favorite podcast app and check out Throwback Trivia Takedown. I heard even Mikey likes it.